I mean, it, it has to snap back, but a lot of times, you know, when it pulls from that 10 day a lot, generally you'll either see a consolidation or a little bit of a bounce and let that moving average catch back up. So entirely possible. Yeah. I mean, usually you need, you know, you need that one big candle, which doesn't look like we're getting today in terms of like a big candle sell off. Yeah. Plus, I think the stock market might be bouncing today. Did I see some nonsense about that or? Um, no, I was watching really. it. I was watching it earlier. So overnight, it, you know, was through the floor and then, you know, magical buyers appeared and <laughs> bid it up. And then the, the headlines started rolling out that um, Russia was moving troops into the uh, new independent regions and markets started tanking a little bit. Yeah, I see it's down now. I mean, this chart looks. I mean, uh, was it me and Ron were talking about that in chat <clears throat> yesterday? Yeah. Nothing looks good about the S&P chart right now. <laughs> nope. If it doesn't hold, uh, I mean, even up to 4,300, I mean, there's support there. There's kind of a big range there. I'd say like 4,275 um, to 4,300 is probably the first level. If it breaks that, then you got more support there, like 4,250-ish. But yep. it's side like, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's sideways, basically. If it gets under 4,300, that's completely negative because that takes it away from just a sideways consolidation into, all right, now we've leveled down to a new range. So it only took, you know, two and a half years. <laughs> <clears throat> well, you know, when the money printers are on, life's in easy mode. You guys ready? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, drop uh drop the notice and the announcements. So uh the <clears throat> Leo Lions can uh unite. <laughs> what was that? I'm trying to think which which cartoon was that? Uh, was it Voltron or which one was it? Was that unite. <laughs> Power Rangers. It might have been Power Rangers also, but I think there was an old school one. Um I think it was Voltron. That's from way back. The robot samurai tells to Yonka that stuff. Yeah, because like with Voltron, they would all come together to make one. <clears throat> yeah. Power Rangers, I guess, kind of stole the idea. <laughs> As Nas well, once mean, said, nothing's new under the sun. It's yeah. all been done. It's not how you do it. It's how it's done. It's like one of my favorite rap quotes. Why make an original NFT idea when you could just steal off the Board Ape Yacht Club. Yep. There's uh, my friends involved in one. It's the uh, Stoned Ape Club. But apparently, it's going to be linked to real estate. So Stoned Ape, like literally, like because it's basically pothead community, like it's catered towards all that. But apparently, funds are going to be used for uh, real estate investment with, uh, I don't know, I guess, um, either dispensaries or, or growers or whatever it is. So, yeah, I'm like, well, that gives it a component that's, I guess, a positive catalyst. <clears throat> yeah. <sighs> nope, I don't want that. <clears throat> In other news, two weeks later, I still haven't got my appraisal back. <laughs> I'm just mm -hmm. like, 
I should be flush with money right now, ready to plow into Polycarb. Instead, I have no money because an appraisal takes two weeks when that's not reasonable, especially when you pay extra for the rush order. That is kind of crazy. Yeah, I'm actually getting pretty annoyed. Is it just, you know, the guy's busy or? Yeah, well, I mean, it got assigned. And then a week after it got assigned, we actually got the appraisal done. And that was a week ago, Monday. So then Friday, it wasn't in. And then Monday was a freaking holiday. Right. So I just like, you know, between the weekend and that. So um, I'm waiting to hear from the broker if he gets anything today. If I don't hear from him by this afternoon, I'm going to reach out. But frustrating. For sure. So, sidebar. We have to have like an edit version where <laughs> we're actually going when we're going. We go live yeah. and then like five minutes later, we actually get started. <laughs> yeah. That's what people always right. say too. It's funny. Some people actually like it, like the pregame oh, stuff. Yeah. Like when, like Meek, Walter, and Mike, when we do ours, like we have pregame chat for like 30 minutes to an hour sometimes because we always have so much stuff to talk about in terms of just, you know, investing in what we're doing and um. And then, you know, finally hit the record button and we record a short podcast and everyone's like, dude, just hit record at the beginning. We want right. to hear all of it. And I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> like we're talking like three friends, like sharing everything. Like, just, yeah. I love everyone listening, but you don't need to know all my moves. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> so, yeah. uh, so Cal, oh, we go ahead. No, we're not live yet. I'm about to hit the button now. Oh, oh, you're just recording? <laughs> oh, we're just recording. All right, I thought we right. were live. Well, I was just wondering what's uh what's what's your um your clipper gonna do to make me look better? <laughs> oh <laughs> I don't know. Um let's see. I mean, I feel like some of the ones your eyes are closed. I mean, I know there's one where my eyes are closed. I saw that. Wait, is this one where I look like uh um either in agony or in ecstasy. I have this like weird look on my face line. I'm like looking up and <laughs> eyes are half closed. It's actually one of the uh, TikToks that I shared out um, on mine as well. I was like, whatever. Our TikTok is kind of blowing up right now. Good. <laughs> 7,600 wow. views on one of these. Oh, word? Yeah. It's like nice. the, it's the dumb ones that get the views. Like it's, it's can you see that? Yeah. It's like, no, hey, this is like you. one of those seven second ones where you just put all the text. Yes. Well, and that's why I get so many views is because it's so short. That's like, you know, right. the two that I had viral, the one with me just doing the flex, bobbing my head to that song for 12 seconds. Yeah. You know, it's a, it was literally the dumbest, most useless TikTok I've made to date. And it right. 100x the performance of any other TikTok I've done. It's, it's crazy how this stuff works. But at least it's, we got cubdefi.com in the text though. So nice. Little plug. There you go. But yeah. I actually plugged Cub DeFi on in the in the bigger pockets Facebook group. I was able to plug Cub DeFi because someone was asking about when you're like, you're stacking capital for your next property. Where do you keep it to earn a return? And I was just like, I put it in stable coins and stake for 18 to 20% yield. Yep. So of course that reaction got some people laughing at it. And I was like, yep, those are the traditional real estate investors that know nothing about crypto. And then a bunch of people were like, wait, what? And then there was a few guys that like were like, oh, I'm in um, Anchor. It's a similar rate. You know, well, I was like, yeah, I would be an Anchor, but 
Cub DeFi is about to do an airdrop, so I'm stacked there, which I'm sure I got those guys to look at it. One of them said he was going to take a look. What is Anchor paying these days? So I think 17%, he said, with and that's with insurance. They have some kind of insurance protocol or something he was saying? Yeah. I think it's 20 if you don't do the insurance. Yeah. So because he said similar, it's and then it's 17% with insurance. I don't. I didn't dig into what the insurance actually is. That's on UST. I would assume. Anchorprotocol.com is telling me. Yeah, I I kind of just been had blinders on, um, waiting for Polycub. Oh, shit, 19.44%. I haven't done any diversification. There is one thing about Anchor that people are. Uh, the, the biggest complaint I hear about Anchor, might as well just go live. Just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a good idea. Go we can live. talk about Anchor and you can talk about yeah. stable coins. <clears throat> we'll just kick it off and continue. Um, Did you drop the announcement? I, I'm, yeah, I'm about to. I just need to. Oh, yeah. I forgot you have live. to kick this off. Yeah. I forgot you have to kick oh, this off. Nice. First. We are All live. Right. Uh, let me get into where's the chat? <clears throat> Live and direct. I Welcome was... everybody to the weekly AMA. We're gonna. We've been talking for a few minutes, so we're just gonna kind of continue what we've been doing, and we'll probably be all over the place. Um, but yeah, we were just talking about anchor and pooling stable coins. So um, obviously, you can you can pull stable stable coins on Cub DeFi, and uh, don't know what it's paying right now. It's something like twenty plus percent. Uh, but we were talking about Anchor, um, and that's a Terra. If anyone doesn't know what Anchor is, it's a it's a Terra uh, protocol, and uh, biggest DeFi platform on Terra, and and basically like the number one use case for UST, uh, which is uh, the Terra stablecoin. Um, so, so we were talking about that, and and uh, you know you can have insurance on it, you can um, you can collateralize and and lend it out. Uh, there's like a lot of different things you can do, like adjacent to to just pooling stable coins. But um, the biggest complaint I've heard about Anchor is that people are concerned what would happen to UST and and actually the Luna price, since they're very you know it's basically pegged to UST. Um, people are concerned what's going to happen to those uh, when Anchor can't pay uh, APY anymore, because um, I guess that APY has an end date. Um, so people are just kind of concerned what happens when the treasury runs out. Yeah, that's an issue. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do you know, just looking on their site, do you know what their, um, what the end date is? I am not 100% sure. This is just stuff I've seen in the Twitterverse. Because, you know, 20% or, I mean, I was looking at this 19.44% right now, which is really attractive compared to other stablecoin pools. I mean, the, the four belt pool on Cub DeFi is great, but the, the issue with that is that, you know, if we're talking about moving hundreds of thousands around, then the, the dilution in the, in the Cub DeFi pool, you know, reduces your yield. So, you know, if we... Uh, I don't know what the number is right now, but if we doubled the amount in the Cub DeFi pool, then the Cub portion of the paid out drops in half. So that's that's kind of that that balancing game. <clears throat> but UST yeah. has uh, apparently ten billion uh, value locked, so that's 
It's a lot. Yeah. That's a decent chunk. Yes. So I'm ton, seeing so. calculations between a hundred days to two years. I'm just trying to figure out which one is right. But obviously the more the capital that enters anchor, because anchor, I guess a lot of DeFi protocols, when more capital is added, you know, the APY goes down. That's how Cub works. It's how, you know, majority of DeFi works with anchor. It doesn't go down. It, it keeps a stable APY um, no matter how much capital is in. So the more capital that enters it, obviously the lower the, or the, or the um, less time we have for, for their yield reserves. Right. And, and that's because of the, the UST mechanics of how it's arbitraged with Luna, right? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and what wasn't, uh, I don't know if it was for the stable pool or what it was, but I remember they were struggling for a hot minute then when the market was selling off because the demand for loans dropped like precipitously and um, the demand for providing money was still very, very high, if not going higher. So they have, uh, I'm drawing a blank on what it was, the treasury fund or whatever it was that was like getting literally decimated. And there was worries about how that was going to get balanced out or whatever. But it was also hurting the yields. It must not have been for stables or they rectified it. I, I, I got to look back and find what it was I was reading. Yeah, so Cal, I'm looking at Cub B5, I'm looking at the four belt uh, kingdom. And, you know, so it's got the, the four belt APR and the, or APY and the Cub APR on top of yep. that. I see all those numbers. I don't see how much is in the actual, oh, here's TVL. Yeah, wow. on the left side. Yeah, yeah it's the 217. So, yeah. So right now the Cub APR is 17 or 16.67%. So if I throw in another 200,000 there, that's going to drop to, you know, eight and three quarters or whatever. Right. Damn. Yeah. So that, uh, so Belt has actually dramatically reduced their APY <laughs> yeah. and then all the time, I mean, obviously since the market too. Um, and then they've also released new vaults. So um, we have a few things that we're looking at, obviously post Polycub, which will be to uh, release some different kingdoms um, for stable coins and, and all this stuff. So um there's definitely going to be, and with, I mean, I guess we could jump into some Polycub stuff. Uh, with the release of Polycub, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be some major changes to way, the way that Cub works. Um, obviously, we're able to merge some contracts from Polycub that we've been building, um, and we're also able to, um, we're also able to essentially just, just kind of change the whole mechanics of of Cub in general. Um, so, with the launch of Polycub and the launch of Cub bonding. Um, we're basically gonna we're gonna start to reduce the inflation rate of cubs. So right now it's one cub per block, uh, and we're gonna start to reduce that over time. Um, obviously, we're gonna front load some cub bonding before it's reduced, um, and and basically build the protocol on liquidity. Um, and then we're gonna release a number of different kingdoms that will start to compound back into the protocol on liquidity on cub the same way it's gonna do it on on poly cub. So um, that's gonna be that's definitely gonna be interesting. Um, and things like this four belt, uh, stable coin kingdom are going to get, um, you know, we're basically going to re release the, the goal is to release a number of kingdoms that will work in tandem with this one. And then also, you know, start deprecating old ones, like when the APY is super low. So this one is at 4.84% APY. So if we find a better stable coin kingdom, um, we'll release it simultaneous with that one still being live, and then we'll slowly deprecate it and, and migrate the capital over. 
Um, cause obviously for, for cub as the way that kingdoms work, um, cub is earning management fees from the actual APY of the external farm. So if the external farm is earning 4.84%, cub kingdoms is earning 10% of the 4.84%. So we would much rather have a kingdom where it's 24.84% versus 4.84%. Um, because then we're getting 10% of a higher number um, as opposed to the lower number. So um, really the, the long-term goal with the kingdoms is just to keep, keep, uh, keep moving with the times and, and keep, uh, you know, Cub is a yield optimizer now. It's not just a farming platform. So um, right. we need to optimize the yield in, in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Yeah, I was just looking at Ellipsis. They have a UST, BUSD, USDC, uh, and BUSDT, which I think is a tether uh, version, uh, they're paying 17% right now, but there's only 233,000 TVL on that pool. So if we migrated into that heavily, that would obviously drop. Yeah. Uh, their, their large pools are uh, paying like 5%, similar to four bill. Yeah. It's yeah. hard getting yield on stable coins in certain markets. You it know, when there's a flight to safety like we're seeing now. Everybody yeah. rushes into the stables and yield drops. Yep. I think long and term. there's just so much more capital in crypto these days, and and a lot of capital, a lot of the big players, um, like you look at like Kevin O'Leary and stuff, who've gotten heavy into crypto and DeFi. They're all about the stable coins and earning. You know, they're fine earning eight percent too. So they yep. will they will dump billions of dollars in and be fine with with the lower apy and they can crush it because i mean they're getting that money at you know two one even close to zero percent right so they're just arbitraging the shit out of it so it's like thank you for the free six seven percent <laughs> all day on a billion dollars thank you for yeah. just guaranteeing here you go it's a quick way to guarantee profits I mean, yeah. if you think about it, you know, some of us, some of, of us have done it on a small scale, you know, borrowing against an equity line at three, three and a half percent. And even if you put it into a stable pool, I mean, obviously, you know, we've been getting 18, 20, you know, that's for a while, 30%. But even if it was only 10%, it's like, well, you're still getting a six, 7% spread. Like, where else am I doing that? Staying basically US dollar to US dollar. Right. You don't have um, an exchange risk with that. Exactly. So, other risks, but you know. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this, I think all the yields on the stable pools are going to continue. We talked about this a year ago. You know, yeah. I've said it a thousand times. Like yield discovery, it's a new industry. As more money comes into it, like yields are only going to go down because more and more money is going to come in. And it's like, where's the baseline? You know, what's it going to be for stables? Is it going to be eight percent? Is it going to be twelve percent? Is it going to be six percent? Like who knows? But I don't think it's going to be twenty. I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, when it comes to, to farming and, and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, so much depends on the um, on the farm token that's yes. involved, right? Because, you know, usually the, so you're generally going to get uh, yield from trading fees, which is going to be a small portion. And then the, the majority of the portion is whatever that farm is paying out in. It's, yep. And, uh, you know, two months ago, we were seeing curve wars, you know, where the big the CRV holders were fighting it out to reward their pools more heavily than their competitors. You know, CRV spark, spiked up to, you know, $6 and, you know, yields were fantastic. And that has cooled off a bit <laughs> since then. Yeah. I'm CRV's always down see. to $3, you know, but, 
we'll always see those mo moments you know 235 the kids are in they're like i just loaded up i drove your yields down yep yep neil's got them on the payroll tax write-offs uh, you know, my oldest is, is actually just old enough now to, uh, to be put on the payroll. That's awesome. So I, uh, well, next month she has a birthday. So that's, <laughs> there you go, folks. Reason, a uh, reason to have a kid, put them reason on the payroll. <laughs> Absolutely. They gotta be eight. Well, that's not entirely true, but the safe Harbor is kind of eight years old. That's kind of funny. That, that is because, I mean, you have to be like, you know, you have to have like uh, what, a permit and like 14 years old, I think, depending on the state or whatever, is the earliest you can start working. Yet you can put your child on the payroll at eight. It's, yeah. The rules in America are just entertaining between the IRS and like the <laughs> like regular legal judicial system. And yeah, well, there are there are exemptions for uh, for family and businesses. Yes. <clears throat> and I think I think that's actually a good exemption to have. Oh, I agree. It just I'm just it's just ironic and I find it amusing. Um, so Cal, do you have any more updates you want to do, or do you want to well, jump well, into some questions? Since you already mentioned Polycom, there's, I mean, I've already seen one, one question on YouTube and the, the question is when, what's the yeah, story with the, with the audit, you know, more tea put when, 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 um, what's the story with the, you know, the, the audit response, you know, process, is that all complete? Uh, yeah. Do I don't even want him, I don't even want him to tell us. I want, I want it to be a secret. <laughs> <laughs> um, when will then be now <laughs> yeah yeah um so so yeah it's a good time for a, for a little update so in our last ama the status was that we had just gotten back um so we we had uh we had just gotten back the preliminary report from 30k um and that was the the report where they had the 29 findings and the next step in the process um is to basically respond to those 29 findings. And some of them are actual changes that need to be made um, in the code, whether it's front end or back end. Um, and actually the majority of them were just informational. So they're just asking us a question, oh, how does this part of Polycub work? And could you give us a, a little description of that so we can include it in the, in the final audit report? So um, it took us about three days, I think, um, and we got back to them. Uh, with our, with our, basically with all of our responses to their, their audit requests. And then obviously we, we made the changes that they requested and then, and then showed them in, in, uh, in the code base uh, where we made those changes. So uh, that happened, let's see, on third, I would say on around Thursday, we gave them back our, uh, our report. Um, so since then um, I've communicated with them back and forth a few times um, and they basically gave me a, um, a soon, they said, they said, we'll get, we'll, we'll be done with it soon. <laughs> uh, which is funny, but no, they, 30 K is actually, they're, they're very fast in this part of the process. So, um, soon will become now very soon. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, so the, the last time I talked to them was yesterday. They asked one more question. So I, I'm going to assume that that we're we're probably about one day, probably in the next 24 hours, to getting that final report, um, just based on them asking that final question and what what that question was about was kind of a key a key uh, indicator of when. Okay, so let's say 
you get the you get that final thing squared away tomorrow Thursday something. From then, when is lunch? <laughs> that's really all anybody <laughs> cares about. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say the launch. So, I would say within once we get the audit report back, and this is this always gets me into trouble. But once we get the audit report back, we are literally ready to launch. So, um, at that point, it really what it's really what we're, we'd be waiting on is marketing and and all that stuff. But um yeah i don't want to get myself into too much trouble by, <laughs> so, by so, giving it a date neil so based on the information that i have just received i'm going to play the betting game because we all know i like to you know roll the dice and say we're looking at next week uh i think all the hopes of this week have gone out the window yeah i would agree with that uh, now, Cal did say last week that he wants a compressed hype cycle of just a few days. Right. I, I also know that Cal does not like to launch on the weekends. Um, Hence so, my assessment. So I think you're right. And there was a tweet somebody posted in the Discord that Cal had something with March on the uh, in the text of a response oh. of some kind. Yeah, that's uh, well. I actually responded to that. Um, I'm not writing the text on those TikToks, so I wouldn't read into it too much. Um, so <laughs> that is not a that is not an official cal when or okay. that is not an official calendar soon. I see. They, uh, that is an unofficial report. Okay. So yeah, there there is no reason to delay it to March though. How about that? Okay. Well, I mean, March one is next Tuesday, so that is irony. true. February is very short. Yeah. irony yeah. um we'll see though i am man. so i i did talk to mitch about this privately i'm <clears throat> so when i say that i'm waiting on certain marketing things um we did hire coin telegraph and coindesk and they're doing uh press releases about polycub so um that is definitely a factor but not like a huge factor because obviously we could launch and then the next day the the press releases could go live and it it's that's totally fine um Actually, it's probably better that everything's live before those releases are yeah. out. Yeah. And uh, they told me on, what was it, last Thursday, I think, Thursday or Friday, that it was seven days out. So for those. Because their, their timeline for doing stuff is only about seven to 10 days. Interesting. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm just not ready to give a <laughs> finalized when yet. It's only you need to. I mean, but soon, yeah, yeah, it is soon. Well, I That's think what the uh, announcement's so cur for. Currently, the plan is to give about a seventy-two hour heads up of when it's going to go live. So, seven forty-two, forty-eight to seventy-two. So we'll see. You'll have two to three days to prepare. That is my compressed hype cycle. And a lot of nice. things. So there's also there's also a, a lot of things happening. So I kind of touched on that a little bit at the beginning of this. Um, there's a lot of things that are going to happen simultaneously. So um, basically I've been saving up a lot of the cub developments to go live at the same time as Polycub. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that, but um, one of the, you know, some of the, some of the key changes are the cub incentive pendulum, um, which will basically, I mean, we talked about that. It will, it will swing the rewards in favor of the Cub Kingdom right now because there's so much more capital in the Cub Kingdom than the um, than the Cub farms. 
Um, and it will basically, it'll basically reorganize the incentives on, on Cubs. Um, and especially cause that kingdom is super low. So it's, I mean, it's like 33% APY right now, uh, which is, which is way too low. Um, and that really just goes to show the, the diamond paws that are, that are on Cub because everybody's just staking. Yeah. Everybody's just staking all the Cub they have into the kingdom. Uh, there's very little Cub being added to the farms. Um, and there's very little Cub being sold. So like we, we just had like a full scale market sell off in the last, like, I mean, not, I mean, like a 10% sell off in the last like 48 hours on, on crypto and, and cub moved like two cents, not even, I don't even think it moved two cents. It made, it moved like a fraction of two cents. Um, so people are not selling cub. People are not even putting cub into the farms. Really. Uh, they're just throwing it all into the kingdom. So that incentive pendulum is going to change the way the rewards are structured. Um, and uh and it'll swing in favor of the kingdom um so that's going to happen that is basically so like the the launch plan is basically that that is going to happen on on day one of like the 72 hour launch cycle um so the first change that's going to happen is on cub the second change that's going to happen on cub um is the announcement of the wins uh of the soons um and uh and that is basically all the upcoming features for cub like bonding um, IDO number two, um, the long-term roadmap, all the things that we've been building for Cub for the last couple months, that's all going to get announced on day two. Um, the second thing that will get announced is the inflation changes um, that we're making to Cub, which will basically uh, start to take hold, you know, shortly after Cub bonding goes live. Um, and then day three is when PolyCub actually goes live. So this is like the current, the current launch strategy. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting because um, because when Polycub goes live, you've got the airdrop going live. You've got um, the new pages being added to Cub for bonding and the airdrop. Um, and uh, and yeah, there's there's just a lot. There's a lot going into this launch and it's not just Polycub. There's all these features we've built are, are all going live at the same time. Um, and there's obviously they, they all kind of play off each other. So that's why uh, we're doing it that way. Festival of launches. <laughs> this is definitely the, I mean, pretty much every launch we have is always the biggest launch, uh, but this is like the biggest launch by far that we've ever done. Um, I'd say the last big launch we did was, was Leo mobile. Um, and, uh, and, you know, that was obviously we're, we're releasing an app, but um, you know, when, when cub launched, we launched cub, there was really no idea what was going to happen uh, when cub was launched. Um, and it really just kind of took off in a huge way. Um, this time we we obviously have all that data and we're a lot more prepared, a lot of Leo finance changes to make everything more scalable. Um, and then a lot of other things that I learned from all sorts of launches, you know, even IDO number one, um, about how we can make this launch super successful. So, um, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a home run on, on a lot of different metrics, uh, so some key things that I'm going to be watching are um, Leo Finance traffic to leofinance.io. Obviously, you know, the Polycub token and the Cub token price, you know, those are going to be great, you know, great surface level metrics. But then digging deeper into, into you know, growth metrics and KPIs for Leo Finance, you know, who's going to the site, how many signups are we getting, um, you know, social media followers, all sorts of stuff like that. I think it's all just going to explode when Polycub goes live.
Looking forward to it. That's for sure. Indeed, there'll be so many decisions to make. <laughs> what to bond, where to put money, what pools to jump into. <clears throat> yeah, that uh, reminds me of something else. We're also working on the Leo Bridge uh, version three update, which will be, um, we may actually disconnect Ethereum for now for a short period of time. Um, and the reason behind that is uh, we're getting ready to move to ThorChain with RapLeo. So um, basically we're getting ready to potentially disconnect the Uniswap Ethereum side of, of Leo Bridge. And then um, Leo Bridge V3 will introduce uh, BSC to Polygon and Polygon back to BSC. Um, so I'm pushing hard to get that done before uh, Polycub is launched. Uh, obviously I won't delay the launch, but it's one of my goals is to get it, get it ready uh, and finalized. So it will be super uh, we'll useful. Yeah. Especially because and that's going to you know, moon Leo, in my opinion, Leo bridge is the future of Leo. Just the fact that, you know, you're talking about two chains where you don't have the barrier of stupid gas fees that are enormous because, you know, I've already had a few people talking to me about, all right, how do I get ready for polygon? What's the easiest way for me to get my money, you know, into that, um, blockchain type coin and obviously all the options we're not talking about leo bridges we're talking about <clears throat> third-party bridges and it's like well no leo bridge use that so yeah that'll be awesome when it's available and i think yeah, that'll leo get used bridge, way more game changer yeah it'll get used way more because it's going to be cheaper and i i'd assume um better in terms of uh functionality and conversion because it's gonna be now yeah it, it's it's like light years ahead of what leo bridge is right now um there's obviously a lot of issues with leo bridge right now and primarily stemming from the gas fees on ethereum just making it unusable um and then uh you know some other instabilities that we're fixing but uh but yeah i i think the i think we'll actually see i, I think we launched leo bridge and i you know, we worked on it for so long and, and it's a very complicated project. Like there's, you know, a lot that goes into Leo bridge, uh, with the smart contracts that, that make it work. Um, but I believed then, and I still believe it now that it is the future of, of Leo and, and the value proposition of, of Leo as a ecosystem token. And if you look at, um, if you look at the white paper and obviously I've only released, you know, that first part of the white paper and, and we'll keep releasing, you know, more of it. Um, there's a lot of pages that are just have a little lock icon to tease everybody. Um, but the, if you look at the vision, um, so I'll drop the link in discord. If you look at, um, the, our vision page, um, you know, this is really where Leo is going in the long run, which is, you know, web three is the new frontier of the internet. Um, and web three includes a lot of different things that are happening in the crypto space, in social media. Uh, you know, just in, in society, which is, you know, even look at the stuff happening in Canada, Web3 encompasses all of this stuff. And it's, it's the new age of how we transfer money, how we transfer value, how we communicate with each other. Um, and Leo Bridge is what kind of carries Leo into that future, which is, um, you know, we're, we're building all these different apps. You've got Polycub, you've got Cub, you've got Leo Mobile, you've got Leo Finance, um, you've got Leo Dex. Um, you've got, you know, project blank will come soon. And, uh, you know, when you combine all of this different stuff and it's all across different blockchains, um, and we're working on something for Terra. So there's just like, 
there's all these different um, you know ecosystems that we're kind of combining into into the Web three you know ecosystem that we call Leo Finance. Um, and and really, what connects all of that is is the Leo token and the Leo Bridge. So um, I still definitely believe that Leo Bridge is is really the one of the most important projects that we've built uh, thus far, um, and it's really gonna it's really gonna you know have its moment to shine uh, when it, when the Polygon version goes live. So um, yeah, I I think it's important if we can get it done before the launch of Polyco. But I also know that it's I mean it's still going to get used very heavily after the launch of Polycub. So I'd love to get it done before the launch, but we'll see. Yeah. Either way, it's a value add. So yeah, looking forward to it. So there's a couple of questions floating around. We want to get into that. Yep. Let's do it. So Flory asked, are there any plans for diesel pool LPs with Leo, Swap Cub, and Swap Polycub on Hive? Um, currently, there, I, I don't think, I mean, I see the value of diesel pools in a way. You know, I sometimes use the HBD diesel pool. Um, but when it comes to like Leo, I, I would much, and when I buy Leo and when I'm, you know, trading, I'm, I'm on either Uniswap or, um, pancake swap you know I, those are the pools that have you know uniswap has almost a million dollars in liquidity pancake swap has half a million dollars in liquidity um and on the diesel pool there's eighty thousand dollars so um and if you go to binance smart chain the fees are essentially the same actually potentially even less than diesel pools if you consider it takes you know a quarter of a percent to one percent uh to move money in and out of hive engine um so so yeah, I would much rather trade on those platforms than, than in a diesel pool. That being said, um, Leo Bridge uh, version four on the roadmap includes a Hive connection. Um, so when we launch, uh, and especially when we launch RapLeo on ThorChain, uh, we're also gonna launch that, that Hive connection, which will let you trade Hive in, in through Leo Bridge, and you'll be able to output anything that's connected to Leo Bridge. So that will include um, you know, anything on Polygon, anything on Binance Smart Chain, and then anything on ThorChain as well. Um, so that would be, you know, native Bitcoin, native Ethereum, native Litecoin, Dogecoin. Uh, they're adding Terra uh, Luna right now. Um, so you'll be able to trade, you know, that Hive connection. And when we do launch that, there will be incentives added to the Leo diesel pool because that is the mechanism that will be connected to uh, Leo Bridge. So we're going to need to incentivize deep liquidity on that. Uh, in the same way that we need to incentivize liquidity on, um, you know, RapLeo, BLeo, and PLeo. Um, so you'll, you'll need liquidity on native Leo too. Um, so yeah, that is, uh, that is the, the current roadmap for that. As far as like nice. Cub on, on diesel pools, I don't really see the point in connecting them right now and, and incentivizing those pools. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear you. I mean, if anything, it's just something that is nice to have for a potential future because, again, not much liquidity on there. And maybe that'll change over the years, but uh, it's also constrained really to the ecosystem that is Hive. Right. Yeah. That's who's using and, it. Yeah. And, and that, that kind of you know, drives the point of why it's in the roadmap like that, because if we were to incentivize it, you know, we're just kind of incentivizing the existing user base rather than, you know, an expansionary mindset where we're incentivizing, you know, people to come in from the outside. But when Leo Bridge is connected, 
that is doing both incentivizing people who are already there and incentivizing people from the outside um, since it's all connected uh, via Leo Bridge. So um, that's kind of why it's it's built in like that. 100%. I needed to get 100% in. I didn't get one in yet. <laughs> in fact, I think last call, I don't know if I said any, I, was, I think I said absolutely instead because then it became like in my head. Gonna need a new background. Just right? lean into it. Right, lean into, steer into the curve. Um, no, I actually notice it now when I'm even in regular conversations, I say it way less because now I'm aware of it. It's pretty funny. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Um, Mr. Khan said, when Terra? We already passed Polyco, when Terra? Yeah. <laughs> we haven't even launched yet, when Terra? I don't even know yeah, if that was going to be a thing. I guess I, I guess in theory every blockchain can be a thing, but I mean that's well. No, Cal's crazy. mentioned it specifically a few times. No, I know. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely going to be a thing. Um, we'll talk after, about that closer to after, the to the launch. After Thorchain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely it's going to be after the Thorchain <laughs> integration. Um, what's kind of cool too is that um, you know Thorchain is integrating Luna. Um, so when we do launch, you know, Tleo and, and, you know, the project that we're launching on Terra, um, you're going to kind of already have that wrap Leo to, uh, to, uh, Luna connection. So definitely some interesting, nice. true, interesting things happening there. Hopefully Luna and UST coming to Thorchain in two to three weeks. Yeah. Is, do you have any kind of expected timeline for, uh, Thorchain? you know, WLEO integration? Yeah, so um, I did mention that, um, we, you know, we talked about it a couple of AMAs ago, but really what's what's needed is, uh, it, you know, we just have to press a few buttons to get to get RapLeo onto ThorChain. It's more just a logistical, you know, thing to, to migrate liquidity from Uniswap to ThorChain. Um, and then obviously I want to have Leo Bridge ready to be connected. Um, so, so I'd say what we're waiting on now is just to get Polycub, you know, launched and, and, you know, we're, right now, right now I'd say, you know, the majority of the team is just focused on Polycub. Um, obviously Leo mobile is a separate department, you know, hive stats, um, the things we're doing on Terra all separate, but um, you know, the, the focus is just on, on Polycub making the launch, you know, as big as I think it's going to be uh, focused on the marketing focused on, you know, uh, working on the audit, all of this stuff that goes into into Polycub. That's just the focus now. And then, um, you know, as we as we kind of move past that, then we'll start working on the Thorchain stuff. Um, and we'll basically just, you know, we'll just go live and then connect Leo Bridge. Um, and yeah, I think I think that's going to be a huge launch. So right now we're we're doing a huge launch for Cub, right? I think that launch on Thorchain is going to be, you know, an equally sized, you know, big launch for for Leo. And kind of a big announcement for for Leo Bridge and and kind of the future of the Leo economy. Awesome. I was just uh, glancing at uh, at ThorSwap and they're at eighty seven percent of their cap, so there's room to add. Yep. Just throw, yeah, they keep raising there. their caps. So. <laughs> okay. Raising the caps. <clears throat> yep. I think that's one of their Twitter accounts. It's raised the caps. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's see. Um, Kat, are you on Facebook? Because I'm not. <laughs> I am not on Facebook. I'm on YouTube. I am on, obviously, the Discord. 
Let me open uh, it up just in case. Yeah, Facebook's really usually more of a. I guess some people put comments on the live stream, so yeah. Let me take a look. And my browser's frozen. Okay. Sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, I've started going nuts with the uh, Brave profiles. So we've got like you know, yeah. six or seven different browser windows that are totally separate, open. Interesting. I, yeah, I got like 12 of them. Have not gone down that route. So you can create separate profiles with the Brave browser? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got, um, I've got one for my personal, just usual browsing. I've got one for my work stuff. I've got one for um, my, um, the new Splinterlands fund that we open. I've got one for ThorSwap because XDFi wallet and MetaMask, they fight. So I needed to put that yeah. on a separate one, uh, stuff like that. So That's actually very useful. Maybe it I is. should do that. It's just it's just a memory hog. <laughs> yeah, because I mean I, I mean I'm not even using the Brave browser. I started using it a little bit like back in the day, and honestly had nothing but problems. So got away from it, and then uh, <clears throat> never got back to it. But that would be useful because thus far my Band Aid move has been you know like I have Chrome and I have my main stuff through that. But then if I want to like have a completely like quote unquote, separate profile with a separate like MetaMask and all that stuff. I just use a different browser, like I, like usually Opera. Um, I'll use that kind of for like a secondary profile, but that's really it, just the two. I guess if I wanted more, I'd have to either continue to have different browsers um, or the Brave uh, thing makes way more sense. Yeah, the yeah, profiles pretty... are easy. <clears throat> You just have to not blow up your computer while you do it. It's <laughs> the main thing. Now, does anyone use Brave uh, browser on their phone? Like Brave browser mobile? I do, yeah. I have it. I don't really use it that much, though. That's my primary browser on my iPhone. Really? Yep. I actually for might consider doing that just for YouTube because I stream music on my phone a lot and freaking commercials. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I have, I have YouTube Red. So. Yeah, I have YouTube Red. Well, apparently I have to step up my game then. Well, when I'm when I'm crypto rich like Neil and Cal, I can get into red. <laughs> no, I got mine for free. So you know, oh, nice. I uh, I do uh, I do taxes for one of my buddies. Uh, you know, it's close. One of my best friends, and I I don't charge him, and he gives me he puts me on his family subscription for YouTube Red. So I was like, wow. okay. he's ma he's making out on that transaction. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's definitely less than the cost of you know doing taxes, but. Um, I mean, hey, listen, Neil, if that's the case, I got whatever <laughs> subscription you want, bro. I'll send in my tax forms and give you whatever I got a, subscription I got a you want. One. I don't know if that interests right? <laughs> Do I hear Spotify? That's too funny. <clears throat> I got it. I got I got a Showtime and Netflix account. You can jump all over. I'm good. I'm all set on subscriptions. Oh. Shit. The only reason I have Showtime is because uh, Billions is in season. Uh, yeah, I, How do you know, like I, I caught season. I caught up on on the reruns on uh, on Amazon, but then it only goes to season four. So yeah, which is the end of Acts anyway, right? Uh, it's season five, I think. Season uh -oh, five. Spoilers. Oh, oops! Spoiler alerts. Yeah, big spoiler. <laughs> um, the new season, uh, I like it. I mean, they they did what they need to do with that whole different shift 
Um, yeah. It's got a different vibe to it. It's still enjoyable, though. I still like it. I'm not going to say it's... Uh, they're good, but they don't get you uh, like emotionally riled up as much like they did in the past. Okay. But they're still yeah. good. It's, it's still good. For obvious reasons, Axe was my favorite character, so... Yeah, no. I mean, I'm not going to say anything else. I don't want to spoil any more than I already have. <laughs> but um, it's still cool. And some of the new characters, um, even though it's different, I kind of like the approach. I guess it aligns It, it aligns uh, more with um, my, I guess, morale, so to speak. So Sorry. I guess it makes it feel maybe uh, more realistic in terms of like, oh, okay you can still crush it and be like, you know, this instead of, I mean, that that's what was crazy about that show billions. It was basically just like warfare every yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So we still, you get that, but it's just, it's done differently. It's interesting. Yeah. So, but anyway, what's uh, that's funny in discord. Shame, shame. <laughs> What you get uh, if you don't use Leo links, right? Come on, come on, bro. You're better than that. <laughs> I don't know that I see any other questions, so we can uh chat about whatever the hell we'd like. Well, I <clears throat> can't before we press the uh go live button, we were talking a little bit about the markets, we uh, were Both so stock and crypto, yeah. Um, you know, today is uh. This is an interesting day, you know, so over the weekend, we had the whole Russia-Ukraine thing evolve. So now um, Russia is recognizing two, I guess they were, or are slash were provinces in Ukraine, and they are declaring independence. Apparently, this has been uh, going on for a while in these regions, and Russia saying, yes, we're going to recognize these as independent bodies. And it looks like, you know, we're going to support them militarily, uh, you know, and um, the, the news broke earlier today that uh, Russia was actually sending troops into those regions. Um, and the, um, the stock market was not a huge fan of that. <laughs> so, so what do you see in your crystal ball, basically, is the, is the That's question very interesting with the russia thing so basically what i read from that is they basically took control of territories without taking control of territories in a, in a polite genteel kind of way yeah <laughs> like yes you guys are independent and we're going to support we're going to come and support you yeah so basically putin did did what he wanted to do in the end it's looking that way. And, you know, the U.S. is threatening sanctions and whatever else. But, uh, you know, I, I, maybe maybe it's just me. But I understand that if you're in that region, that's this is an important thing. But globally, I don't see the big deal uh, for the markets. Well, I mean, apparently they, that country gets a lot less credit than it deserves. Someone po I saw someone post something that showed stats in terms of uh, exporting. <clears throat> They're like top five exporter in a lot of materials that are used like every day mm. 
I didn't realize that. Like they're a big exporter of a lot of key materials. They're like number one and two in, in a couple of them. Um, I wish I could remember what they were because I just read this two days ago, but sadly, I don't remember any of them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I was surprised because that was the whole point. People were like, no one's giving Ukraine enough credit. Like they are a net exporter of a lot of key materials. And there was a good amount of stuff in there. I was like, interesting. So it's not like it's just some rinky dick country that offers nothing to the globe. Okay, fair enough. But at the same time, yeah, I don't know what that impact looks like um, or if it's that big of a deal. But yeah, they were, like I said, they were, you know, number one or two in a couple of uh, materials. So I guess it could have some impact if things get disrupted. Not that anything gets onto our shores anyway, it just floats out in the sea for three months. <laughs> well, you know, there's no, uh, nobody to unload the, the ships. Right. I actually haven't heard about the, uh, the jam up in the ports lately. I don't know how that's going. It's... I heard, I heard something recently about why that's well, a big reason why that's happening is because of uh, union shops and and the way that they organize workers and and apparently it, it kind of it's almost like uh, what did they compare it to? Um, like temp workers. Um, they basically said it, it's a similar system where like they just kind of tell people where to work on separate days so nobody's doing like the same job just over and over again um so they're always kind of learning a new job doing a different job it's always different people and uh basically our in america our our port systems are very archaic um you know what did they they compared it to somewhere in europe was it the netherlands i, I don't know they compared it to something and and they said you know the the volume they like compared the volume of stuff coming into the American ports and and the the uh, the volume that could be handled at you know these various other ports in the, in the world and that you know for America it takes you know 100 days to do one thing and in some of these other ports it could take you know one day to seven days to do the same volume um, which is kind of crazy to think about. Also, I saw um, someone posted uh, information in regards to cost and it showed like what it costs to basically, you know, have a shipping container come in um, two years ago compared to now. And it was something like two grand or something like that. And now it's like 20. <laughs> and the guy was like, he's, he's like, the funny part is he's like, what this is doing and no one realizes it. He's like, because over the last 10 years, you've had like anyone and their brother, mom and pops, like, you know, basically able to outsource things from China and like literally like have a container like come in and like two grand, like that's feasible 20 grand that prices out all of the small players. It actually is great for the big, large corporations that are doing volume. I mean, obviously you can cut into their margin a little bit, but the impact is, you know, mitigated by size and volume. And also you're cutting out so many players, like all those small players are basically getting cut out. So all it did was, give more power to the large corporate players. That's usually the way it goes. <laughs> yeah. But that's crazy. Like big dogs cost, eat all the, all the food. Yep. Cost 10 X. So that, I don't know if that's, you know, impacting things too. Cause now you got all the small mom and pops that probably aren't doing stuff that used to. And I don't know what that percentage is, but I'm sure it still adds up. It's still uh, some, something. You know, even if it, even if it was only 10, 15 percent. 
All right, but all is revealed in the charts. So uh, where are the charts going? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> You're not gonna give me an answer? Oh, I mean, yeah. Same as I was kind of saying earlier. I mean, everything, you know, every chart right now still, uh, you know, first of all, every crypto chart was bearish a month ago. Everything was in a descending channel pretty much. Um, everything had broken, you know, key support levels. And then we got this bounce, right? And then especially Bitcoin broke out of the de descending channel, broke above that 40K um, resistance, you know, came back to test it, looked like it successfully did. And then also I'm just dumped and here we are back down at 37 below that key. I mean, that's a huge area at this point. That 39 to 42, that's like the war zone area. And the battle was lost uh, again. And um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we're pulled away from the 10 day moving average. So I don't expect us to dump straight down. I mean, who, who knows? Maybe if we get a candle today, it sells off. We get back down to that 34 and test that prior low we just had in um, January. But I wouldn't be surprised if we got maybe a little bounce or something, but I just don't see, I mean, 30K is on the table. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but it's 100% on the table. So, and then, you know, when you look at the weekly chart, the daily chart looks better than the weekly chart. You look at the weekly chart, you're like, oh shit, we're definitely going to 30, right? But again, there's no definite in price action and charting. It's just probabilities. So, and then again, the S&P is going to have an impact on that as much as we want, you know, crypto to be as alternative investment, it still kind of tracks with the stock market most of the time. And, you know, as we talked about the S&P right now, it's bouncing along a key level. I mean, if you look at it, you know, this 4,300, if it breaks that, you know, yeah, we have a lot of like pivot points and stuff down to like 4,250, but that 4,250 to 4,300 area. You know, if it doesn't hold that, then you're talking about, all right, we went from consolidating in the stock market basically since September. I mean, I guess, you know, the high, we got the high in November and then the all-time high, um, right, basically Christmas time. So, but that range there, which starts with the bottom, um, I guess, October. So that range that we've been in since October, um, best in peace, you know, battling it. And if it breaks that, that's the first time I think we'll see the stock market like level down to a lower range since the COVID flash crash, which is, that's what I'm calling it now. I'm calling it a flash crash, even though it took basically two months. If you look at the chart, like that V is ridiculous. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. Obviously I'm a little bitter about it because, you know, I was trying to short that bounce and we never got the double dip that we get every other time in like history. But I should have also realized that the government pumped in trillions of dollars um, as soon as the market sold off. They didn't wait for a recession. They just juiced it. And then it's like, oh, we have inflation two years later. How did that happen? It's a total mystery. Oops. <laughs> you know, I was talking to Roland last night a little bit about it and, um, the uh you know i think that is that is the thing that is different this time you know so you know we're printing seven percent inflation headline numbers and you know if if the market cracks here and is because so we're already down 10 percent from the market highs and if it cracks and we go down into 20 percent, you know now that's you know what a lot of people define as a bear market 
I think they're going to have to let that play out until the pain is unbearable, and then they can turn the printing presses back on. Yes. Uh, just because the inflation on the other side is too high already. Yeah. <clears throat> and we've talked about that in the past, and it's going to be the, it's literally going to be that. It's going to be the couple raises, no more money, and then come whatever it is, spring or something, it's going to be the whole, sorry, we effed up, and then turn it all back on so the party can, turn the lights back on so the party can start again. Yeah, but uh, there's going to be some, some downside between here and there. I just don't see, I mean... So they did it. They did it to themselves. They damned if they do. They damned if they don't. <laughs> well, that's true. My only concern is how it affects the crypto market. Yes. Listen, if the stock market's uh, down in twenty twenty two, I don't see how the crypto market's not also going to be down. I think. Again, this is my opinion. I think we need to go through this um, psychological stage, for lack of a better term, where. Stock market's going down. Crypto is also going down. But the pain of the crypto market is actually getting people to ex uh, consider more alternative investments. But people aren't going to be looking just to gold like they were 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, right? They're going to start considering crypto. And I think that's when we might get that shift where you finally start seeing a decoupling of crypto to the traditional markets. But that's a, like a big ship turning around. So it's going to be slow. And then the flip side is also, it doesn't mean that the crypto market's not going to be down. It might just be down less because in the end, what increases the price of crypto for the most part, I know you can have deflationary tokens and all that, but it's capital inflows. And if there's less capital available, that's less money to go into crypto. So there's also that. Um, so it'll be interesting how things play out. But I hope the mark stock market does not go down because I want crypto to go up. Fair enough. I don't know. What, what, what's your point of view in regards to that and the correlation? Yeah, I mean, the, I think the, the correlation is still very strong. Um, you know, a lot of the institutional players that have gotten into crypto, you know, are also exposed on the stock market. So it's not, you know, it's not apples and oranges anymore. It's like apples and apple slices. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, you know, the net result is that, you know, when one goes down, then it affects the other. And obviously the stock market is whatever times larger, 200 times larger than the crypto market. Hmm. Um, so, you know, that's going to be the, uh, the, the predominant influence. So it just, you know, is what it is. Um, and there are still there are still things that can um, that can do well, you know, in a bear market. Uh, there was a bunch of news stories coming out yesterday, the day before, with uh, ETH Denver, uh, the conference where uh, Vitalik said something about how a lot of people who build in crypto welcome a, a, a crypto winter kind of stuff. Um, and you know, people were were giving him flack for. <laughs> For this kind of this kind of talk and but i understand his point you know that, so do uh, I. that um you know the people who are just chasing gains you know they lose out in a down market uh but the people who are building things for you know for sustainable purposes for long term whatever uh, then uh they they tend to tend to do most of the building during the downtimes 
you know, uh, for, for, you know, projects I'm personally involved in, you know, Spinnerlands and Leo both launched during the last crypto winter. Um, and, uh, you know, and you can, you can actually hire devs in the winter because they're not all yeah. <laughs> doing Yeah, Cal says thing. that all the time. He's like, he's like, crypto winters are for building. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I definitely, I just dropped a link to the Leo Finance Substack because uh, um, Taskmaster runs it and he put out on uh, yesterday, he uh, put out a newsletter about what Vitalik was talking about. Um, and I definitely agree with a lot of what he's saying um, because obviously I have experience with hiring developers in both a bear and a bull market and, and building tools and apps and stuff. Um, and uh, it's definitely easier to find people who are who are hungry to work and and who will do a good job and and do things quickly um it's definitely easier to find them in a bear market when they're you know it, it i mean it's you hear this story play out in in every industry i mean like even in like rap songs like when people are hungry they work hard they do a good job they you know work quickly they're they're anxious to get things done when people are fed like you know when you have like a trust fund baby they're not going to be you know, they're not going to be amped up to wake up every morning at, at six in the morning and, and get to work. They're going to be, you know, they're going to wake up at noon. They're going to go out to lunch. They're going to come home. They're going to work a little bit. They're going to go out, you know. So Wait a second. Like, I don't have a trust fund, but I feel like that's how I live anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I just feel like, you know, I really do agree with that and, and how, how building is for the bear market. And in the bull market, I think you take profits. I think you build a big treasury and I think you you prepare for the next winter. Um, so speaking from experience, I've, I've pretty much done that. I've built myself a nice, nice nest egg that will last Leo through the next bear market. And, and, you know, my goal has been to put enough away that, that in the next bear market, we're not only, we're not only like in the next bear market, we don't only have, you know, the capital to just survive, but we actually have so much capital that we can thrive because we can bring on so many developers and, and we don't have really much in terms of limitations of, of capital restraints to, to bring on new devs. Cause I, I already know that when this next bear market hits um, and I don't know if we're in the bear market yet. I, I feel like people I feel like there's some pain out there, but it's not that bad. Um, you know, I mean, Bitcoin's well, still I mean, 38,000. Well, we'll consider right, the bear down, market though. It's down I mean, 50%. That's, that's what I'm saying. Right. Like, but in the last bear market, we were down, what was it, like 89%. So yeah, it was about 90. Yeah, I was yeah, insane. So, so, you know, I don't know if we're at maximum pain yet. And uh, yeah, yeah. what's upset? The pain is I didn't get as rich as I hoped. Yeah. Yeah, that's Yo, no. the pain. Not I'm broke, which will what's be up? the pain at max. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I didn't get as rich as I hoped. I really agree with that. Like, that's a fact <laughs> for me. I'm looking back. I'm like, how did I F up the last two years? Like, yeah, it was good, but it should have yeah. been great. Yeah, I, I certainly didn't take enough profits. Uh, that's for sure. I was, I thought we'd go farther. Um, I did think we were going to get another leg up. I'm not going to lie. I, I thought, I thought we'd I see. I was very confident with 100K Bitcoin. I didn't think 100K was happening, but like 75, 85 was my, my target. And I'm really surprised that we at least didn't see 75. Yeah. But, you know, the, the other, the difference though, in, in, in this, time period though is that you know the public awareness has shifted right so right. before we saw bear markets of three years i don't think we see that in you know in, in any kind of bear that you know going forward uh you know if a stock market has a huge down year then okay 
crypto will follow in that year probably um but yes. um but the fed is not going to allow that to persist forever so yeah. the when when the stock market turns around i think crypto will turn around right with it yeah and i don't i don't think that'll be more than a few months basically <laughs> Oh, wow. You're more optimistic than me. I'm thinking uh, maybe this is worst case scenario. I'm thinking that let's just say 2022 ends up being the down year. I feel like it's going to be the whole year. Like, like it's going to suck for the stock market. Uh, and if you think about this too, like the stock market can't be positive every single effing year. Sure, so when's the last, it <laughs> really can't though. At some point it has well, a down the, year. The point is seven and a half percent inflation. And then they, they wash it all out. Right. And, you know, the next six months, you know, everything's down and, you know, people are writing news stories about how, you know, you know, recession and the Fed yep. is screwing up and blah, blah, yep. blah. And then they'll turn the presses back on and we'll go back up. I'm not, you know what, it's too early to make the bet just because I haven't seen things fall apart yet. And the Fed, I haven't seen the Fed actually raise. But if those things were already in play, I'd be willing to make a bet that we are not positive this year. Cause I'm looking at like, well, I'm talking like peak to trough, not necessarily yeah. calendar year. Oh yeah, yeah. You know? Well, and that's why I like, it's more of a, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm having fun in the whole calendar year thing because you know, we've been up like umpteen years in a row mm -hmm. and on, on a calendar basis, even like COVID year, we ended up positive, which was baffling to me that that happened, but <laughs> shut I guess, down the whole world economy and stocks go up. How crazy was that? Yeah. Did we? It was right. It was real close. Hold on. Did it pull back towards the end of the year? Oh, no. It was definitely positive because it ripped in December of 2020. Yeah. So, what's up says read an article yesterday that recommended people go into debt because inflation will make it easier to pay off. That's absolutely true. This uh, is in the real estate investing community. All we do is like get max out your debt right now, like lock in mortgages at, at three, four, at three, four percent right now as much as you can. Yeah. I, I mean, there there is no scenario where hundred US dollars buys more next year than it does this year. Nope. So, and how long has that been? That's been the case since the since 60s, 1913. Right? <laughs> 1913. There you go. Uh, well, I guess in 1971. Well, especially since then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just how, how the, the monetary system works is they, they make more. And so it's worth less. Yeah. And there are, there are certain time periods where that has reversed, you know, with, you know, like great depression times and things like that, but they've, they've pretty much engineered their ways out of that so that there's constant inflationary pressure. Yes. So like you said, even if it's a negative, it's like a short-term phenomenon, maybe it's a few years. <laughs> yeah. Well, at this point, it's not even, I'm saying, I don't think it's going to be more than six months at a time. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the thing too. When people talk about like the Great Depression or whatever, it's like you got to think everything moves faster now because of technology. So, what was I don't even know how many years technically the Great Depression was classified as. I mean, it was like what three or four at least. Well, there's different uh, benchmarks that people use. Uh, so, some definitions have it from 29 to 37. Some have it going to 43. Oh, some wow. do it, like, some 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 define it as 29 to 32. So yeah, 37 was the latest I had heard. And wow, people said even 40. So yeah, but even so let's just say pick the one in the middle. So let's say eight years, right? Everything now is like 10 times faster. So there you go. There's your eight months. <laughs> Pretty much. You know, just because of everything's digital and, you know, technology moves everything.
And we're still using a, a paper currency. Imagine if it was a digital dollar. Yeah, Jamaica just launched one, I was reading. Nice. <laughs> so, you know, Bahamas has one, Jamaica has one. Um, you know, but they haven't abandoned their old system entirely. They're just adding on. Speaking of, did you see in California, out of all places, um, has this, I forget who it was, there's two politicians in California that are pushing legislation to be able to make Bitcoin recognized as a currency in California. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, I think uh, there's there are already a couple states you can pay uh, your taxes in Bitcoin. I don't yes. know why anybody would do that, but <laughs> you could. <coughs> but, I think you know, what is it? Is it Wyoming and Arizona? Uh, <coughs> pretty sure Arizona's one. I'm not sure about the others, but I, I think it's Wyoming just because they have like whatever it is that Arizona passed is what Wyoming did the same thing with like two years earlier. Wyoming was like first to the game. Yeah. Well, Wyoming has Dow LLCs now. You know, yeah. It's, it's interesting. The biggest problem is because of the uh, federal law that no state can, I forget the exact words, but the gist of it is basically um, legalize a currency that isn't gold or silver or something like that. Yeah. Well, in it's in the constitution that. Um, yeah states cannot make anything but gold or silver um they can't coin money so but then then it gets into like a legalistic argument it's like well they're not coining anything because they're not the ones creating the bitcoin so yes um i know Arizona's, recognizing that it's you know whatever so yeah <laughs> that's for the arizona is fighting to <laughs> change that somehow or whatever i saw uh they got that push going yeah but uh but yeah i if, if that were to pass in California, then theoretically you could spend your Bitcoin like from, you know, for goods and services and not pay uh, a California capital gains tax on it um, like you would have to with, uh, with the feds. So it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, the, the federal taxation of crypto is still a giant um, hindrance to actually using crypto as money. Yes. <clears throat> but... Um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Well, so speaking of that, though, I think I don't see how the government's ever incentivized to want to make crypto uh, more freely used and easier to use, right? So having it classified right now as property and you have to pay capital gain tax on it is a big hindrance and it's a pain in the ass. So it doesn't, I don't see how it, they're motivated or it benefits them to change that because they're, therefore they're like by doing that they're giving up more control oh for sure you know and um you know it's it's kind of the game theory of how it all plays out so now we're seeing you know el salvador legalized it but they had no downside because you know they were dollarized anyway so they were subject to whatever the whims of the u.s monetary policy was and um you know for them it's been a net investment driver so that you know uh, there the uh, Bukele or however you say the guy's name you know the president down there he tweeted out a little while ago that you know they had you know 10% gdp growth last year and you know the vast majority of that is activity you know directly and indirectly tied to um, you know bitcoin adoption <clears throat> so you know those smaller countries that don't have a whole lot to lose then you know it makes sense for them to to adopt crypto and then the larger countries who do have a lot to lose, it does not make sense. But eventually, you know, they will be forced to as their currencies lose value. 
So, yep. uh, but that is a that is a long term project, you know, decades uh, before that all plays out. Um, obviously, what's going on in Canada is definitely um, something to talk about. Before we transition to that, though, I was looking at like WhatsApp was uh, WhatsApp was talking about you know the whole thing about people being recommended to go into debt because of inflation. So. A clear example of that is with real estate, especially if you do it as an investment, because you buy real estate, let's say you have a $200,000 mortgage and your payments, whatever it is, $1,000 a month, right? That mortgage payment is not going to change. If you do a 30-year mortgage, you're going to pay $1,000 a month for 30 years. But what is going to change is due to inflation, likely the value of that property is going to go up. So the property is going to be worth more. So you're going to basically be getting built-in equity. And if it is an investment property, the cost of rent is going to go up because it's going to go up with inflation. So now the income you're bringing in is increasing, but your debt service does not change because you're locked in with that mortgage. So that's like the most basic example of why it makes sense to get debt because of inflation. And that's one of the like, great powers of real estate investing is the fact that you lock in your bi biggest expense, the mortgage, and everything else inflates. Obviously, your other costs are going to inflate as well, like insurance, uh, taxes, um, you know, even service providers. But your biggest expense is that mortgage, and you're locking that in over 30 years. So that payment is exactly the same from day one to year 30. Yet 30 years later, inflation is going to cause, like I said, higher prices in real estate, higher prices in, uh, in rent, which therefore gives you that win you get the spread. But anyway, um, yeah, so I was reading someone on Leo Finance actually posted uh, a good one about what's going on in Canada and all that stuff. And uh, <clears throat> pretty damn interesting um, what Canada's trying to do. And, you know, you saw that they flagged like 26 wallets or something like that, that are, <laughs> you know, related to the truckers and, um, and it was pretty interesting because I was like, all right, that's the first time like because centralized exchanges are one thing. They can just say, you know, lock it down. But they identify. But again, even in identifying wallets, I still don't know how they can control anything. Um, I did see. Uh, which exchange was it? There was it might have been Q. I don't think it was QCoin, but the. CEO basically told people to take their crypto off his exchange. Yeah, um, that was, um, I can hear my kids screaming in the background. Because they know uh, the answer. <laughs> uh, it might have been KuCoin. It maybe was KuCoin. Uh, and if someone asked me on Facebook, um, I don't know if they posted it on my page or if they posted it in the Leo Finance Facebook group, which hashtag is a Leo Finance Facebook group. If you're not yep. in it, you should uh, participate. Um, help us get all the Facebook people over to Leo finance for a better, a better way of life. Um, but yeah, someone asked me like, why would he say that? I was like, because if it's, he says like, we're going to behave with the government because we don't have a choice. We're a corporation. Right. So get your crypto off our exchange. So we don't have to give your information and to the government. Well, I think, I think you said something too effective. If you're worried about it, <clears throat> yes, if you're worried about it. But that was like, I thought that was a baller move. Like he basically gave the government a middle, he basically told the government like, yes, we're going to cooperate, cooperate, but at the same time, go F yourself. As <laughs> <laughs> best they can anyway. Yeah, there was a, yeah, so so they they flagged 26 or whatever Bitcoin addresses and, and told 
you know, people accepting Bitcoin, you can't accept Bitcoin from these addresses, from these wallets. And it's like, do you know, well, obviously they don't know anything about crypto because it's like, okay, let's say you're one of those 26, then you could just <laughs> move it to another wallet yeah. <laughs> from there. You know, uh, so, I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, legislative dinosaurs trying to correct so, the, the new technology. Um, and, and it's fundamentally going to fail, you know, over time. Oh, yeah. Um, I was cracking or something to say. Yeah, it was one of those yeah. Ks, you know. Um, close. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, so there was another, uh, uh, a wallet I had never heard of. They published a letter that they responded to the Canadian government because of the, the government was telling them to shut down, you know, these, uh, you know, these particular addresses. And they're like, yeah, we're a self-custody wallet. We don't have control over yep. anything. Yep. Just, you know, go pound sand. <laughs> it's up yeah. to 34 now. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Yeah, it was a DEX or whatever it was. And they're just like, uh, we don't have any of that information. Do you know how any of this works? <laughs> Like we don't know who are, we don't know who own those wallets. We don't know where they are. We we don't have zero information. Welcome to decentralized finance. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, and that's the thing too. So think about this, man. We're in the beginning of all this. I don't know, man. This end up this all might end up being revolutionary, as in like history repeats. We have not had a revolution in this country pretty much since what? We're due. It's been hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of years. It's well, you know, depends on how you right. how you look at it, but uh, I guess it depends revolutions on what you are about. a lot different nowadays, right? Because the revolution can happen. I mean, we don't people don't collect in the town square anymore to to talk about what's wrong with the government. We organize ourselves on the internet. Yes, we don't storm. We don't storm the castle. Well, I guess technically we do at the end of <laughs> some, the last some election. Do. Some people do. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's some the thing: storm the capital. <clears throat> I, I get that now it's everything's kind of like digital warfare, digital protests, but, and maybe this is just me being just old enough to be old school. I still think that we're going to see, I don't want to say violence in the streets, but we're going to see some type of battle, like physical battle with the gov government still um, at some point in regards to a big revolution. Could be. Uh, the, the Canada situation has been largely nonviolent but they are physically blocking you know key choke points right yes yes I'll be right back guys yep right. and what's up just posted a picture of uh trudeau that guy kind of is uh, a clown i didn't really know really like is. i didn't because i don't pay attention but i the more like information i'm seeing about him and like things he says and decisions he makes i'm like <laughs> okay well i think he's a he's a dictator or you know he's got dictator qualities at least at least yeah, he's got sure. the qualities of the first three letters of that word the i don't know it's very interesting too though because obviously you know you have public infrastructure right so as much as, you know, the crypto community, like the hardcore crypto community is against taxation and all that stuff. And listen, I get it because our tax dollars are mixed, misuse, like something, something fierce. Um, and the efficiency of the, uh, of the use of tax dollars is a joke. But um, at the same time, you know, all of these public systems, you know, you're talking about, you know, just tap water, um, you know, 
local fire department, local police, like those things still need to be funded. Um, right. So it's like, well, how does that work? You know, and they'd be funded by DAOs, though. You know, they probably could. Could a, could a local community fund their local fire department by having a local community DAO where people take, you know, one percent of their paycheck autonomously and and deposit it into the DAO, and and that that funds the fire department. Um, hundred percent. That and the more the be better you want your fire department to be, the more you deposit to the DAO, and you can see how much everybody deposits. So you can be like, oh. My neighbor Bill is an asshole. He deposits, you know, 0.1% of his paycheck. But, uh, but you know, my, my neighbor Phyllis deposits 10% of her paycheck and she thinks, you know, the fire department's extremely important. And, and, you know, if buildings start burning down, then people deposit even more money into the Dow. And it, you know, so constantly is, is in flux. Mechanically, that works. It makes a ton of sense. Here's, here's the big monkey wrench in it all human nature and greed right because it, then so everything you said yeah so what's her name you know sally puts 10 percent in so is she not going to expect like i don't want to say favorites but is she not going to expect better service or whatever it is or if something happens or you know like if she makes a phone call to the fire department or something she should be first person to be taken care of because she donates the most now yeah. i'm not saying everyone's going to have that opinion but plenty of people will you want to know why because it goes back to one of the four fundamental drivers like you know they talk about like what are um drivers for people's motivation um and decision making it's certainty uncertainty um significance and then love and connection right right so if someone's got a significance driver they're going to be that person they're going to be the person that when they donate money for a new public library library to be built they're not going to be anonymous their name is going to be on the building Right. Right. You know, in society, is that necessarily a bad thing? Like a lot of our buildings were built because people wanted their names on them. Oh, no, exactly. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I'm saying like, that's the, the, um, I don't want to call it a roadblock, but that's the, the linchpin. And that's the issue that's going to pop up when you talk about like Dow backed utilities or Dow backed, you know, services. Um, there's always going to be the infighting. There's always going to be, and then, You know, think about these towns that are super poor. Yeah. Yeah. People can barely 100%. pay their bills. They're not going to donate anything to the damn fire department, which is only going to make the town worse because then when there's a fire, they're going to have like what? One mini yeah. fire truck and two firemen. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, mean, I think it's, I think it's interesting though. Like, you know, you could, I, I, at least I could picture a future where you have donors, you have DAOs, and maybe it's not a hundred percent of the funding, you know, maybe for a fire department, they have subsidies and they have, you know, and, and I mean, like if we were, if we were to just say, okay, create your, create your utopia for, for, you know, obviously we live in America, let's just say America, create your utopia, right? You've got local fire departments, um, you know, in small towns, you've got, you've got local uh, fire departments in, in, you know, bigger cities. And obviously there's a lot of departments, um, you know, that make up a bigger city, but um, you know, you, in an ideal scenario for me, at least, there would be a DAO for all of these departments. You know, there's a police department DAO, there's a fire department DAO. Um, that being said, they could still be subsidized by the federal government and, and you know, all sorts of programs that could be created. And those bigger programs could also have their own DAOs so that, you know, people in the Hamptons can donate some money to, you know, a, a more, you know, um, you know, a countrywide DAO that, that can then support the small towns, you know? 
So I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting that the technology is there, but but the governments are too slow to adopt it, even when it could potentially create a more utopian society. And that's, I mean, that's always the, you know, uh, slow down with technology. Technology is decades ahead of where it actually is implemented, usually because of government. Right. Um, and I'm don't get me wrong, like I can see that future as well, but, you know, I'm looking at the, um, human nature side of it and kind of playing devil's advocate. So yeah. it's not like, because, you know, just, it's, just, you know, being realistic somewhat. Yeah. It's doable, but it's not going to be like this, just rose colored glassed glasses, like, yeah. you know, no, no issues or bumps along the road. Like there's still going to be, you know, these, um, human nature issues that you're not, you know, you have to deal with, right. but right. that setup, yeah, would be way, way better. I mean, think about like Miami, right. With Miami coin and how much it's already generated. And like the Miami mayor said, like his ultimate goal is to have this generate enough revenue where there's no need for taxes. And Miami is, you know, is, is funded just from Miami coin. Yeah. So, I mean, like the, the beta test is already going yeah. cities that already have 100%. the beta test and Miami's on the forefront, which makes sense considering Miami's like the crypto cra crypto capital of uh, crypto meetups. Yeah. I mean, there's crypto conventions in Miami. I feel like every, every, every other week, like big yeah. ones, not like, like meetups. I'm talking like big conventions. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely need to, I've been to Miami once. I need to come back and, uh, and keep going. Um, talk about, talk at some of these conventions. I've been, obviously I've been doing that a lot more in the past couple months, but. Yeah. I mean, even if you're just there hang, hanging out networking. Yep. You don't even have to be on stage. Obviously you get on stage that helps, but just being, being in there. Cause like when I go to the real estate meetups, you know, like uh, you're talking, you know, I went to one in December, I had 500 people. I did not talk about real estate 90% of the time. I talked to real estate investors about crypto. I spent the whole time in the lobby. I actually went into the conference room all of one hour the whole entire weekend. Yeah. Because I was in the lobby talking. And it wasn't even like I was pitching crypto. Like I would meet someone, oh, where do you invest, blah, 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 blah. And I basically say, I invest in real estate, invest in crypto. As soon as I say crypto, like, oh, really? And then the whole conversation became about crypto. So all I needed to be doing was a, be doing was wearing a Leo Finance shirt with a QR code on the back. <laughs> yeah, Messed we're up. gonna get those made. We're gonna get those made. <laughs> That's the move. Yeah. All, all all the conferences wearing the QR code T-shirt. Yep. Well, I'm looking into going to Bitcoin Miami. Uh, I think it's in April, right? Yes. Bitcoin 2022. Yes. Yeah. I had a couple of people ask me. Actually, real estate investors actually asked me if I was going to that. Is, isn't that one all for the maxis? It might be. <laughs> yeah. There was another good one that just happened that wasn't uh, straight Bitcoin maxi, but there's so many. But yeah, that's that's a big one in April. Um, there's more. I mean, in the end, going to all of them is not the worst thing. Right. Just keep jumping but, to them. I mean, the amount of people um, that I've talked to about Leo that actually sign up and get interested in it, you know. It's pretty crazy when you start talking about it because they just they don't even have like a frame of reference for a lot of this Web3 stuff that it even exists. They think it's all theory until you show yeah. them. You're like, here's an app where you can log in and that's Web3. People are earning. People are creating content. 
you've got other apps that are connected to it, like Cub. Um, <clears throat> kind of blows people's minds when you talk about yeah. it to them. Well, the the fundamental problem with Web three, as far as like an awareness perspective, is that so you have platforms like you know Noise.Cash, which was on Bitcoin um, Bitcoin Cash. Uh, there's a couple others that have tried like, you know, Ethereum and, and other Ethereum layer two kind of stuff. And all of them have gas fees. And so they fundamentally, an enormous hurdle to uh, actual use, um, you know, cause like, okay, I want to post this funny picture of my cat. And it's like, oh, I've got to pay, you know, 37 cents, even on a low cost chain, um, you know, why bother, right? <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, the, the great thing about Leo is that it's on high. Uh, so there's no there's no gas involved. The bad thing about Leo is that it's on Hive and nobody's heard of Hive. So. Yep, and it goes back to it doesn't matter if you have the best product if no one's ever heard of it. Right. So you know you so it needs to be on Hive or a similar kind of gas free uh, type blockchain um, in order to actually function as a social media anything. Um, but then we have those hurdles of not being the the most mindshare coins or chains <clears throat> so that is a that is a marketing problem that needs to it's, be overcome it's sad but as much as it goes against probably like the uh um i uh, can't think of the word i want to use but anyway it goes against kind of just the ideology of like probably the top 20 witnesses on a whole but the best thing that could happen to hive Right. And listen, and I also think it's ridiculous too, you know, in terms of being somewhat of a crypto purist, but the best thing that could happen to Hive in 2022 is if it got listed on Coinbase. Okay. Because that is going, that, that would literally like 100x the exposure. See, I still think, uh, and I've mentioned this in Discord a couple of times. So there's this Hive blockchain company that's listed. I don't think yeah. it's on over the counter or maybe on some NASDAQ or I don't know. Uh, but it's what they mine crypto they mine bitcoin and ethereum and whatever and um you know so if you search hive blockchain a lot of articles actually conflate the two uh mm. you know there's the hive blockchain that we are all familiar with and there's this Hive blockchain company uh so i think it would be great if the hive witnesses got together with Hive blockchain the company and actually created a publicly listed uh blockchain yeah um i think that would that would be phenomenal for awareness <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, we'd see some actual, uh, uh, you know, heat <laughs> coming into the into the ecosystem. And mm -hmm. guilty parties is saying trying to change the fact that no one is heard of it. Yeah, I mean, we've all been trying to change this for a long time. But yes, yeah. <laughs> I've been doing. I've been doing. I've been. I've been working for free for a year and a half now, doing essentially marketing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, you know, one to one or or even one to small many is. Um, it's you know it's organic growth and and things have been working but you know it's not the moonshot that yeah uh, grassroots marketing works it's just a slow burn yeah until you hit the tipping point and it's like well when's that tipping point even same thing with like you know leo finance just like when's the tipping point um and you know a lot of that also is uh usability i mean getting onto leo is getting easier and easier yeah. but until it's you know and I, you know, I'm obviously being able to sign up through Facebook through the app now. When the app's working, I actually reloaded the app and it still won't open for me now. Um, as it's of still yesterday, 
Really? I, I uninstalled it. I reinstalled it. Here, let me try. I haven't tried since yesterday. So let me not yeah, try it again. so fast. Yep. It's working for me. Yep. Me too. Nope. This is all <clears> I get. Oh, I can't see that the, the orange thing. It just has a little, <clears throat> little wheel spinning. I don't know. You're I guess I'll uninstall You're on Android, it. right? I'm on yeah. Android. I guess I'll uninstall it again. Uh, let me talk with the dev about Android. I got to test my Android too. But it, my oh, Android yeah, was working Android. the other day. Okay. Well, again, it could just be me. I I, I downloaded it fresh the other day because I uninstalled because I still had like the early beta version. And anytime I went to log in, like I had to go to the app store and hit open, and then it would open the app, and then I could, and then I'd have to line, sign in with Hive Signer. So I was just trying to solve that problem, and apparently I made it worse. But, yeah, Leo Mobile, you know, just to kind of segue into some Leo Mobile stuff, we're working on um, uh, the next version, which, uh, which, uh, so there's kind of like this long list of features that that should be ready um, by, you know, this is kind of like our Q1 roadmap, which I've had the intention of, of releasing um, publicly somewhere, but, um, you know, just to talk about it at a higher level, things like the full text search we've talked about, um, you know, more feeds and, and organization for content, um, you know, payout displays and um, the text editor and, and uh, actually something we talked about with uh, Gwalter the other day, um, which is to get more email addresses to kind of make the onboarding Kind of, kind of like collect email addresses so that when someone signs up, we have their email address and then we can send them like a, a three week, like 10 email, you know, onboarding program. Yeah. How, um, how to, how to videos. Right. So we uh, we're adding that in, uh, in this next release so that, you know, when someone signs up with Facebook, it also collects their email so that we can send them an onboarding uh, program. Um, so stuff like that, that's all kind of on the Q1 roadmap, which is uh, what is that end of March? So that's all. It's all going to awesome. be in uh, in the coming month. Yeah, I think long term that'll have a good impact. Even though, like the whole collect email thing is obviously feels so like Web two O, but it still works. Um, Does work. And uh, I think it'll keep engagement higher because people, you know, will try it, maybe run into a roadblock, then they'll get an email and like, oh, let me take a look at this again. And then in that email, it's like. Yeah, this is how you update your profile. This is how you log in. I mean, obviously we're doing that on a smaller scale with Alchemist Nation and we created that course and then Walter wrote me into updating it and doing a couple of videos. Um, but yeah, in fact, he might've he might have released that yesterday, but it's just a basic, here's how you sign up to Leo Finance. Here's how you log in. Here's your login options. And then, you know, here's how you update your profile and settings. And just those things. Because I mean, shit, I don't know if you guys remember, like back in the day, first time I was on like, well, Steam back then, just trying to like find where stuff was, was a chore until, because you don't know until you know. Right. So, and even on Leo Finance, like update your profile. Like if you don't know where it is, it's sometimes a little difficult to find. Because it's kind of like a sneaky, sneaky drop down. Yeah, I may take some of your guides and, uh, and put them into the, the white book because we've got, all these sections we got to fill up. Do it. I mean, that guide basically is he took the doc that you had from back in the day about how to create a Hive account. He dumped it on Alchemist Nation. And then I basically updated it all because, I mean, it was, you know, it was showing old school in terms of like, you know, traditional Hive sign up and, you know, what you can get your keys and all that stuff. And then even like logging in, it didn't have, um, 
any of the other options, you know, it just had keychain. So um I added the different options. And don't get me wrong, it could be way better and it can have examples, but I can't do video examples of signing up for an account with all these different ways because I've pretty much maxed out all my opportunities in terms of Twitter accounts and all that stuff. I guess I technically could do Facebook uh, now. But that's the only bad thing about when you're trying to do tutorials. You run out of right. uh, phone numbers and profiles to use. Yeah, might have to grab a friend's phone or something. Right. They're like, Ma, you're going to get a text <laughs> message. Send me the code. <laughs> you know, back when I was doing uh, uh, blog network stuff, we're setting up new websites and profiles and everything. I used to buy these super cheap uh, phones and, you know, they were like pay as you go kind of deals. Oh, I didn't yeah. think about that. Burner phones. Great idea. Yeah. And, you know, it costs like 10, 20 bucks per phone, but you only need it like twice. So, you know, it's, uh, and you can swap out the SIM cards, you know, and get a new plan. I don't know if I start getting, <clears throat> if I start getting burner phones, that might lead me to doing things that I shouldn't be doing. <laughs> it's like, what else can I use this for? <laughs> Yeah. Still works though. Yep. Indeed. So what do you guys think? Uh, so most people ask, what is your Bitcoin price prediction by the end of 2022? <laughs> I'm going to ask, what are your bearish and bullish predictions for 2022? Better question. So, yeah. If we go Better bullish, question. where do you think we end up? If we go bearish, where do you think we end up? Well, bearish, I think is 25. Bearish, I'm going 20, I'm going 22.5. I'm <laughs> yeah, looking at my uh, chart. Uh, you know, bullish, I mean, so much depends on the timing. Um, you know, we could see, we could see, you know, a, a turnaround and a massive run up. Um, but if, the, if that run starts in November, then we'll get that far by the end of the year. Uh, you know, yeah. I kind of, I kind of feel that, you know, going back to what we're talking about with the, you know, the tail wagging the dog with the stock market and everything, I kind of feel like March to September is going to be rough. Um, that six month period. And then, uh, and then I think we'll start to see some light on the other side. Uh, so, you know, September to December, how much will we, how much will we get? I don't know. A decent leg, <laughs> but I don't know what that number is. So uh, we've got uh, 18 to 120, 20 to 80. I think 20 to 80 is probably a solid range um, for uh, for bear to bull. I don't I don't see us hitting 120 this year. Um, I don't think know. we even yeah. But you know maybe I'm, that means it happens. You know because nobody's expecting it. Right. <laughs> True. Well, again, and that's tough too. Is like, all right, what does bullish look like? Are we talking about like, all right, we're in a bull market that, you know, I'm going to go. Yeah. I mean, downside. the funny part is, I mean, with downside, you know, I said 22.5. I mean, you know, the reality is 18K in a full out bear market is possible. Maybe. Based right. on, you know, just based on the charts. I mean, that takes us back to essentially the beginning of the prior bull move, like- Yeah, that's a full round trip. That's a, yeah. it's a round trip of two moves. Cause a full round trip, you know, for this one is I guess 30. Um, but yeah, bearish, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with 
22-5, um, which would suck, but um, I'll definitely be buying down there. I can tell you that much. Um, hell, I'll be buying a little bit if we see 29-30, as I've mentioned in the past. Uh, ideally, if that happens, it's uh, 75 days from now, because that means probably a couple have launched. We'll be through the 60-day airdrop. And then finally, I can free up some money to do some things and load up on Bitcoin like I talked shit about on record. So if I don't do it, it's not because I don't want to. It's because the funds are tied up. But um, yeah, so 22.5 downside. And then bullish this year, I'm actually going to go with 60K. That's kind of how I feel about oh. this potential year. So you're pretty bearish then. I don't know that I'm bearish, but I mean, it's tough. You know me, like I'm looking, I can't help but look at the charts and I'm looking at the charts right now. And obviously none of that is going to make me, I was like, even looking, I'm like, all right, if what we're in right now is the beginning of an ascending channel, it's like, all right, that'll take us to 53, 54. That'll take a few months. And it's like, all right, well, do we go right through that? Do we bounce down? We probably bounce down. I'm like, yeah, I just don't see us taking out the highs. So yeah, I'm going 60K for upside this year if we're bullish. Interesting. Which is still, you know, more than a 50% move. Yeah. Yeah. So, Cal, uh, what do you think the bearish and bullish case for Polycup is? <laughs> um, well, my, my bearish and bullish, bullish case for Bitcoin is somewhere between zero and infinity. Um, I'm 100% <laughs> sure of that. Um, fair, fair enough. <laughs> um, for Polycub, um, it's interesting because I'm going to be more, I'm going to be very focused on the protocol and liquidity and the risk-free value of, of uh, <clears throat> Polycub. So, um, and then obviously we're going to have a speculative multiplier. So there's kind of those, those three, you know, those three key, key indicators. Um, I think the, I think the bullish case for, for Polycub is, uh, is we see a big, big rise at the beginning um kind of similar to what happened with cub but probably even more accelerated because um because of the way that platform is structured that anyone who's early into into polycub and staking it as x polycub will earn those uh farming penalties by all the people who are earning on the kingdoms and obviously the inflation is high at the beginning and it drops off over time so i'm I'm pretty much anticipating we're going to get a lot of capital capital uh, flowing into the kingdoms from people who are external to this community. So, you know, uh, when those CoinDesk articles and everything go live, um, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of capital flowing into the Bitcoin ETH, um, you know, uh, ETH USDC, um, the the uh, Astro Crypto Pool, um, all that stuff, and the stable coins, obviously. Um, I think there's gonna be a lot of capital flowing into those and all of that capital is going to be um, more short-term focused. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say all of the capital, but I'd say a lot of that capital is short-term focused on Polycub. So they're going to be less bullish, obviously, than people in the community. So that means that they're probably going to eat bigger harvesting penalties um, in the beginning. And that's going to create a mad dash for people to be an ex-Polycub for that, for all those early penalties. Um, because, you know, it, we're kind of front-loading a lot of mechanics where since the inflation is so high at the beginning and we're making so much noise about, um, about Polycub on, on things like Coindesk, Cointelegraph, um, I think there's going to be a lot of TVL flowing into the kingdoms 
and and obviously all of that polycarp getting farmed um you know is gonna is gonna have an interesting impact on the platform um but since the and this is kind of this key thing that that is in the docs that obviously the docs haven't been released yet but this kind of key mechanic of re uh redistributing polycub back to diamond paws like we do basically we're we're creating an even better scenario than exists on cub right now where diamond paws get more flow of the polycub that comes in through inflation um than anybody else on the platform we're actually we're actually taking that to the next level by literally redistributing polycub that is earned by people who are just just pooling capital on kingdoms we're literally redistributing it to diamond paws who are holding polycub as x polycub um so that is uh that is definitely an interesting scenario because our community is so hardcore about about hodling that i just think it's i mean whether you look at hive or leo or cub it's just such a such a you know hardcore community um that i i just think it's really interesting when you start to redistribute um those platform rewards back to people who are in x polycub so um my bullish case is that a lot of people are taking their airdrop and staking it as X polycub because they realize that that if they do that, they're earning more more on that kingdom's TVL than everybody else on the platform. Um, and obviously, I hope that people are watching the TVL and watching the uh, protocol on liquidity and the risk-free value um, and paying attention to how that plays into holding polycub in the beginning. Um, so, so my bullish case is that it's it's extremely bullish in the beginning. Um, and then obviously it plays out in the long run the way that I expect it to, which is that we build this huge protocol on liquidity at the beginning from all of this speculation. And then over time, that protocol on liquidity is always compounding on itself. Um, and then the inflation of Polycub is dropping every single month and you eventually flip that curve and uh, Polycub goes up forever. Um, so I think, uh, I think when number go up on Polycub is very interesting because I think it will go up forever um, after, obviously after we have that flipping. Uh, and the bearish case I think is just that, you know, I, I really don't see Polycub going down at launch. I think a couple of people have said they think it's gonna go, go it's, it's uh, launching at a dollar, that's the launch price. And uh, I think a lot of people are expecting that it may go down. Um, I really don't see that happening because the airdrop is split over 60 days. Um, so all that, you know, those that flow of capital is very slow. Um, and then you've also got those mechanics like I talked about with X, X Polycub. So my bearish my bearish case is that the price just doesn't move and we sit around a dollar at launch. Uh, but bullishly speaking, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna surpass what Cub did in the beginning. Well, you know, a lot of a lot of um, you know farming coins or yield optimizers or what have you, you know, there's an initial rush as people come in and they're they're buying the token to farm right. and then you know we'll see a, a short-term peak and then that'll sell off we saw something similar in cub because the supply is so constrained at the beginning right um you know you know what what little capital comes in you know just moves the price and then if they sell the rewards even though you know some will go to ex polycub holders um you know but when they sell you know it'll it'll you know crash the price so you, yeah you know the the initial days are very volatile yeah um very volatile and yeah and that's just the nature of having a thin market at the beginning right <clears throat> and i think that's the key of of having that protocol on liquidity mechanic where um you know all that big that we're, we're capitalizing on that volatility 
uh, with the protocol and liquidity. So, you know, capitalize, if you imagine that Cub had capitalized on that volatility in its early days, you know, the protocol and liquidity would, would you know, likely be over a million dollars. And, and even at today's prices, um, if you run the math on it, and um, it would obviously always be growing because of management fees and, and everything that's happened, you know, everything that we've developed since the launch of Cub, um, which, uh, you, you know, I, I just think it's, I think it's really interesting. Like if you had capitalized on that volatility in the early days of Cub, the platform would be a lot different than it is right now. Um, and that's kind of what we're doing with Polycub. So I, I just have a feeling it's going to, I have a feeling it's going to play out almost, almost to a T exactly that I've, I've mapped it out over the last, you know, six or seven months I've been working on it. So um, now that you have, you know, Polycub being pretty close to launch, how, I mean, obviously there, there are lessons learned every time, right? But given that you, you launched Cub and now we're just about to launch Polycub, with that experience, how quickly do you think you can launch on new chains, like each N plus one kind of thing? Yeah, um, a lot has changed over the last couple of months um, where, you know, we've hired on a lot of new people. And, and like we were talking about earlier, you know, maybe we're in a bear market, maybe we're not, but it's been very easy to hire developers in the last, you know, two months. Um, I think we've hired on three or four new developers just recently, um, you know, and, and I've talked about that in the last couple of AMAs. Uh, um, so, you know, from a hiring perspective, I think it's, it's going to be a lot easier. We have another solidity, uh, contract developer that we just brought on, you know, in the last, I think in the last 30 days. Um, and I'm looking for, for even more to bring on. So, you know, Polycub taking six or seven months, I think is, is not a scenario that would happen, um, with the current, you know, team size. I think, I think it took that long for a lot of, I mean, obviously for a lot of reasons, but one major reason just being constraints on, on how many people were working on it. Um, and, and obviously their, their focus being diverted because we were in a bull market and, and people are, like we talked about, you know, people are less hungry to, to deliver uh, in a short time frame. So um, I definitely think, you know, with all of that taken into account, like, and, and then a, a big part of it too, is like, what are we launching on another chain? You know, like, what are we launching on Terra? You know, is it gonna be similar to Polycub? Um, you know, and, and what are we launching on, you know, if we launch on Avalanche, if we launch on, you know, even Solana or some of these other chains, you know, what are we, what are we launching exactly? And one major thing I want to see play out with Polycub is I've run all of this math. I've done all this research. I have all this data and, you know, you would love this in, in spreadsheets and, and I've, I've tried to model out what's going to happen, you know, one month after launch, six months after launch, you know, six years after launch, even just kind of wondering about the future and, and trying to see where it goes. And if it, if it plays to how I've modeled it out, which is that Polycub is kind of like a Bitcoin type of token where it's like, you have all that volatility in the beginning, we capture that volatility through protocol and liquidity. And in the long run, the, the token has a flipping where um, it's actually just paying all the APY out of the protocol and liquidity um, instead of having that forever inflating token that just loses value over time. Um, if that plays out according to how I plan it to, um, then we could literally just take that model and keep launching it on different chains because why not, you know, um, it, it's a sustainable, it's like creating a sustainable, like think about, think about it, like almost like a interplanetary expansion, right? Like you've got one planet, 
and then you go to another planet, you know, do you create a sustainable base on that planet that no longer needs the home planet to survive? You know, are you, are you creating something that can, that can sustain itself? And if Polycub plays out according to, to how I've laid it out, then I, I think it will be a sustainable base on another planet. And then we could simply copy and paste that onto another planet. And, uh, and if that's a sustainable base too, then you copy and paste and put on another one. And all of that value is airdropped back to cup holders. Um, so it's like the home base has a stake in every single outpost that's created on another planet. And all those outposts are sustainable on their own, uh, but they're all kind of paying it, paying it backward to, to the home base. And I think that that is kind of the, the future I see, you know, provided that Polycub works the way that I think it will. Um, so my long-winded answer in, in short form is that I think we could launch on other chains very, very quickly if I'm happy with this model for Polycub. We could just copy and paste that model onto another chain and launch literally within days or weeks because um, it's, it's all audited. Um, provide, I mean, if it's an EVM chain, it's all audited. You just copy paste it to a new chain and uh, it's pretty much that easy. All right. I feel like I got the question is, you know, one. the question is, you know, will things play out the way you want? Yeah, that is the main thing that I'm watching right now. And uh, yeah, that is, uh, my, my main focus right now is that I've modeled out Polycub six ways from Sunday, you know, for the last seven months. And, and I want to see it play out, you know, the way I think it will. And, and, you know, when it does, I think we'll, uh, I think we'll, I think our, our copy pasta skills are going to get, going to get utilized. All right. Copy pasta. Um, I don't know, Kat, you got anything else? I think I'm good. Ah, looks like we're all caught up on questions. Uh, I think I, I think an interesting question is what do you guys like? Let's say that poly, let's say let's let's predict two months in the future, right? Let's say that Polycub is playing out exactly how I think it will two months from now. If we did start copy pasting Polycub onto other blockchains, and obviously that that airdrop would go back to Cub every time. Um, so just imagine the Polycub launch, but just on like Avalanche Cub, and you have the same exact model as Polycub on Avalanche, and that um, uh, Avalanche Cub is is airdropped over sixty days to to Cub holders. How would you guys feel about that in general? You know, would you be would you be bullish on that strategy, provided that Polycub is a sustainable outpost, like I've kind of modeled it out? I mean, I'm never going to say no to airdrops. <laughs> <laughs> Airdrops are always fun. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it would work. Um, My whole thing is, I know in the end, and you talk about it a lot, like Cub, Polycub, all these things in the end are good for Leo, right? Right. So by launching, let's say Avalanche Cub or, you know, and so on and so forth, I got in theory, then those that would also be good for Leo. So in that instance, then yes, I also wonder about, all right, outside of the benefit to Leo, going on more and more and more chains, 
what's that value add or is that just spreading everything way too thin and giving people and having way too many choices? Yeah. So I think there's a few key, a few key things for that. So the value for Leo is creating, you know, you can see it with Leo and you'll see it with Pulio soon that you're creating these, these uh, connections to another blockchain. You know, we're launching another wrap Leo onto a new blockchain and we're incentivizing it with whatever platform DeFi token we create, uh, which is giving it huge APY and, and giving people a big reason to buy more Leo and stake it on a new pool and, you know, earn 70, 80, 100, you know, a thousand percent APY in some cases. Um, so, so you've got that in terms of value for Leo. Then you've got the Leo bridge value, uh, which is, you know, by extending to all these different blockchains and then developing the Leo bridge as the technology under underpinning it all, um, you're creating massive value as, as the Leo token becomes that web three ecosystem bridge that, that is kind of the long-term vision for the whole thing. Um, and then, you know, in, in terms of spreading thin, what, what we're really trying to do and, and auto farm has done this, other platforms have done this too, where you just set up a yield optimizer on all these different chains and it's just a different opportunity. It's a, it's a diversification play, right? Like if you can, if you can have a, a platform on Binance Smart Chain, like I know for many of us in the Cub community, like especially me, I, I put 99% of my capital into, into Cub Kingdoms, you know, like, like the Stablecoin Farm, the Stablecoin Kingdom, the, um, you know, the Bitcoin Kingdom, um, you know, in terms of Binance Smart Chain liquidity pooling, that's my preferred platform for a lot of reasons. Um, and if that existed, you know, cause I'm also staking on Ethereum. I'm also on Polygon. I'm also on Avalanche. Um, I'm also on Terra. I'm on all these other chains too, but there is no cub outpost on those chains. So there's no like preferred platform for me. It's just kind of, I'm, I'm using what other people are using. So if there was a cub outpost, then I would still be on those chains in the same way that I'm on all of them right now. I would just simply have my capital in all the cub outposts rather than other people's platforms. Um, so I do see that, but I, I also see the point that if we do this correctly, and, and that's kind of why I'm waiting for Polycub to play out, um, to see if I'm right about it. Um, if we do it correctly and bring in a lot of external capital and external attention, then aren't we just solving all our problems by making numbers go up? Like, you know, and I, I don't mean prices, I mean, users and monthly active users and traffic to Leo finance and. Are, are you solving that question of, are we spreading too thin by just simply adding more people and making it thicker? You know what I mean? I mean, I agree with that, but exactly. That's, I guess the big if, yeah, if new people, if, if new money is coming in, because otherwise it's just spreading thinner, what already mm -hmm. exists. So, but again, I mean, with new products on different blockchains, you're exposing yourself to new audiences. Right. So right. ideally you do get, an influx of new users and new capital. Yeah, I mean, as far as far as tying it back to Leo, I mean, there's there's two mechanisms, right? There's Leo bridge traffic, which will create fees and um, and increase the use of the token, and then there's um, you know users hitting Polycub or whatever and coming back to Leo Finance and becoming you know part of the community. Um, you know, there's not uh, at least un under its current. UI, you know, there's not a whole lot of, of uh, exposure to people hitting Cub DeFi to go to Leo. I mean, there's there's a link now, uh, you know, tokenized blogging 
and I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I could see I could see a future version of the sites where you know there there's a merging of of Leo Finance content onto the yield farming um, uh, websites, so that you know if somebody who's just a, a DeFi degen, you know, finds a farm that they like and, or a kingdom that they like and comes in and says, oh, you know, what's this article about whatever this kingdom is, you know, and then yeah. clicks over to, to Leo Finance and becomes uh, a user there. You know, that starts to become a lot more dynamic and interesting um, because as it is, you know, for, the, for those external, for that external audience, I don't see a whole lot of them making all those steps to get to get into leo finance as a uh, as a community user so if there was more of that then i think that'd be great <laughs> yeah so we so basically provided that this polycub model works out we should also focus on adding more things to the ui to lead people back into the rest of the leo finance ecosystem you know rather it's you know leo finance.io leo mobile leo fi leo dex leading people back into other stuff and then, you know, make that more integrated in the UI. I definitely agree with that. Um, and then, you know, you know, uh, it does play out well. You know, a couple, you know, we haven't talked about it in a couple of months, but, you know, you had this idea to have community pages for different coins, like, you know, a, a ThorSwap coin page and a Bitcoin coin page and whatever. And uh, now that I think about it, you could, you could marry that into the kingdom for that coin so that it becomes a whole blended experience yeah yeah the community that, that's a good idea the community pages idea is something that we kind of slated for later um you know we moved the soon to a later soon because um we uh we're focused on leo mobile and then migrating that into leo desktop um so you know the 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 current plan is to is to hold off on that but but yeah i I think I should review the the timeline for for Leo Desktop from Leo Mobile and see you know what we're looking at these days, in terms of uh, getting that live and then getting the community pages integrated, because um, the the current roadmap is to integrate the community pages into Leo Mobile first and then go to Desktop. Gotcha. It'd be cool. Yeah. One hundred, yeah. as the cat would say. <laughs> there you go. Leo, I mean, in the end, it's about Leo token use. I mean, I don't know if I even really care if they're on the front end of Leo Finance participating. Um, I guess maybe in the fact of staking Leo uh, as Leo power, but, you know, not everyone wants to blog. Right. Well, and, uh, you know, once Project Blank launches, that'll be a whole other thing to add into the... Exactly. So um, I'm less worried about... Um, onboarding in terms of people you know blogging and commenting uh, and more so just in regards to you know the DeFi stuff just uh interacting with the token and you know and then using the tools available like leo decks and stuff like that yeah and you know the unwrapping feature and all that and, and those things so um onboarding in regards to that when it comes to the DeFi players and then yeah obviously there'll be some people that want to get involved with blogging and you know voting and commenting and whatnot but i feel like with the DeFi, at least the DeFi uh demographic people that are already on DeFi, um 
as probably, you know, not the target for them in terms of, Hey, come and blog with us. Like, no, they want to degen's are going to degen. Well, you know, they're all over crypto Twitter. So true. Well, that is actually true, which is again, why um, project blank will be awesome. <laughs> Maybe stop using the word blog. <laughs> yes. Oh, I mean, yes. We, 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 we should brainstorm for a better word because I mean, what is it in the end? It's still kind of a blogging site. We can call it a uh, web three content creation. <laughs> I don't know. It's a web three content engine. There you go. And along. You yeah. got to think of a fancy name. It's kind of like, uh, you know, a guy that says, uh, I'm an I'm a above ground petroleum technician. Oh, okay. So you <laughs> pump gas. <laughs> you gotta find a really cool way to say it. Yeah. There's there's a marketing principle that you should name everything as a as a unique thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe so. Cool. That's funny. Re- resilience there is just uh, today, first time I heard there will be stable pools in Polycub. Um yep. Yeah. It is the DAI USDC USDT LP uh, from Curve. There you go. Morty said content hub. Content A web, hub. Uh, I, I would, I would, you know what? Honestly, Web3 content hub sounds pretty cool. It does. Not terrible. We, just, we could always start a contest. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure we get all sorts of great ideas. But uh, yeah, I'm uh, I am I'm optimistic. And Cal, going back to your earlier question about like you know if we launch uh, all these different platforms on these different chains, you know I don't I don't really see any downside. Uh, the um, you know more opportunities uh, to capture value to capture users. Um, you know as long as as long as the I guess the downside is. As long as the older projects are not abandoned, you know the right. you know obviously maintenance has to be continued and yeah and things have well, to still work. Yeah, and and the interesting thing is that if you launch outposts that are all clones of the same platform, when you make an update to one, when you add a new contract to one, when you're doing maintenance for one, you are doing maintenance and updates to all of them because yeah, you can just merge in the new features at the click of a yeah. button. Yeah, so like um, I use Auto Farm a lot, and you know they've got just the different chains along the top. It's like, oh, now I'm on Moon River, now I'm on, you know, uh, Polygon, now I'm on, you know, whatever, um, and it's the exact same, you know, user experience across everything. Yep. Speaking of user user experience, I have like uh, a, a, a final question. You spoke about building out um, the dashboard on like Cub Finance. Is yeah. the dashboard thing still uh, on the board? It is. Yeah. It is taking, obviously, as things do, taking a lot longer than I thought it would. Um, we do have the dashboard built out in a very simplistic form. Um, and uh, basically, the, the I was talking with the dev just a couple of days ago. Um, the issue right now is pulling data from, from Binance Smart Chain and, and having the dashboard not take 12 minutes to, to load because it's gotcha. It's super slow. Um, so that's kind of the issue we're working on now, which is which is basically like a scalability issue with the APIs on, on Binance Smart Chain. 
Um, so I've been doing a lot of research on the BSC scan API and uh, that's what we're using right now. We've got a pro version of it um, and just trying to figure out how we can, how we can have more requests and, and make them more efficient. So current status of the dashboard is, is, uh, is trying to get the API work to work better. No doubt. Yeah, no, I was just curious. Just, it's cool that it's uh, still in the works because uh, that'll be a nice feature uh, whenever it ends up being available. All right. Uh, cool. Resilience is asking, uh, like to hear more of your calculations about protocol-owned liquidity. What's your bullish case timeframe for Polycup to become deflationary? So that point where the... Um, like the the yield on the on the protocol only value is greater than the inflation from the actual token. Yeah, so that's an interesting question. Um, you know, it it kind of it obviously just depends on a lot of factors. Um, it's going to depend on you know in the beginning you've got the protocol on liquidity being built through um, initial fees and management fees. Um, so it kind of depends on how, you know, how much protocol and liquidity we get at launch. And obviously, like we were talking about, we're capitalizing on that early volatility and, and a lot of external capital coming in, uh, to the kingdoms. So that's a major factor. Um, you know, other major factors, you know, what, what happens in the crypto market? Um, you know, that's going to be a factor as well. And then, um, you know, then, then take all of that and then account for the inflation rate dropping every single month. So I think around month six, I'm just kind of doing this off the top of my head, um, it's going to be about half, somewhere around half a polycub, or not, not half a polycub, um, 0.05 or 0.06 or something polycub around month six. Um, that's going to be the tokens per block. So it's going to be like right now um, on Binance Smart Chain, it's one cub per block um, and the polycub inflation rate is dropping every single month it drops in half so there's like a it's almost like there's a bitcoin happening for polycub every single month so you know when you when you extrapolate out to six months you know the the tokens per block are already down to to like 0.05 or, or something something around there um and then you know obviously the next month it'll be 0.025 and then you know um it, it'll keep dropping from there um so yeah the the tokens per block dropping that frequently and that significantly is going to is going to accelerate accelerate that that flipping that we're looking for um so you know my bullish case is that you know it's not even going to take two years for it to flip deflationary um you know i i would see it happening within a year's time um you know and and obviously that's just going to depend on a lot of factors like how big the protocol and liquidity gets uh at the beginning um you know it, it it's going to be very interesting and i one thing I really would like to see when Polycub launches is all of this stuff is on, on the blockchain. It's all autonomous in smart contracts. I want to see people in the community take the tokens per block, uh, the projected emissions rate where it's dropping every month. Um, and I want to see them also take um, the protocol on liquidity and you can watch it ticking up. So you can see it go from zero to 10,000 to 100,000 to a million. I want to see people take that protocol on liquidity and take all of these metrics because it's all transparently on the blockchain. And I want to see them predict, you know, when that flipping is going to happen. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be really interesting because it's it's kind of the kind of this like 
almost wait and see type of thing because you, you really can't predict it accurately until you see just how successful the platform is in terms of <laughs> attracting outside TVL and, uh, and building that protocol and liquidity. And then obviously when the Polycom bonding launches, um, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be bolstering that protocol and liquidity through bonds as well, similar to, you know, Olympus Dow and these other, these other Dow platforms. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting. And, uh, and yeah, like you're saying high incentives for holding the token, it's going to be, it, I, I think Polycub is, is the idea that I just described is kind of my vision for it. Uh, it's kind of my vision for Cub and everything that we're doing in DeFi is that I'm, my goal is that, you know, all this time we've spent building Polycub is that we can copy pasta it and make it an outpost. Like we turn it into like this outpost idea on different planets and we keep just pasting it on other blockchains and each outpost is, is sustainable on its own. Um, and, and Polycub is, is kind of the guinea pig. It's the first, first of its kind. And, uh, and I, I do expect that, that it's going to be self-sustainable and then, and then we'll, uh, we'll kind of keep going from there. And obviously with each, with each launch, it's going to be an airdrop back to Cub. So, so the, the value of Cub, and if you actually go back to the docs, um, it still includes this sentence that I put in there when Cub launched, which was almost a year ago now, um, which is that Cub is the base layer of the DeFi stack that we're building. So if you, if you take this vision that I have for these outposts, um, you know, Cub platforms and consider that Cub is the base layer, Every single time we go to another blockchain and it airdrops back to Cub, that is fulfilling that mission that I had, that vision of Cub being the base layer and everything being paid back to Cub. And then Leo, you know, as we talked about, is earning, you know, its share of the value from Leo Bridge, from having external farms, um, and, and obviously from gaining more more monthly active users and, and hitting those KPIs. And then he said, are you concerned with, that the APR will drop a lot with lowering the inflation significantly every month? Yeah, the APR will drop. Um, and, and you're seeing that with Cub, right? Like the APR drops and it's, it, in the beginning we were dropping the inflation of Cub and obviously every time it dropped, the APR dropped significantly. Then the APR started dropping because the price was going down over time. So now consider that um, you know, the reverse is happening because over time the inflation is dropping and yes, that is dropping the APR. But in the long run, if Polycub is the type of token like we've designed it to be, which is kind of like Bitcoin, where it's designed to go up forever from protocol and liquidity um, and the inflation and protocol and liquidity flipping the inflation, um, then APR will actually start to increase again because the price is increasing. Um, so you need less Polycub to incentivize a high APR. Um, so that's kind of the vision there. And then eventually when the emissions stop completely, which does happen in the future, um, the, the APR is paid via the protocol on liquidity directly, where the protocol on liquidity is actually just buying Polycub and distributing it on its own. And there is no more, there is no more emissions rate. Um, so obviously, can you calculate the APR? You really can. It's, it's based on how big that protocol on liquidity is, and it's based on the price of Polycub at the time, um, if you're trying to determine the APR. <laughs> Interesting stuff. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how it all plays out with Polycub. So it'll definitely be the uh, beta test in a way for all of these additional uh, add-ons, so to speak, compared to yep. Cub Finance. But that's awesome. Well, that was a pretty solid uh, AMA slash roundtable. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I would say so. Uh, 
Yeah, I just looked at YouTube. There's a bunch of comments there that I haven't read. Uh, okay. I was on, you know, I was, I was following YouTube. All right, great. If the last comments from me, then we'll call it up. Yeah, we'll be still good. All right. Yeah, I was paying attention to YouTube uh, the whole time. So. It's on it. All right. Cool. Well, yeah. I guess uh, when will be soon next week, hopefully. Yeah, very soon, very soon. Very and soon. The TikTok is blowing up. Make sure if you've got TikTok, go over, follow Leo Finance. Uh, it is uh it's doing really well so that's awesome, awesome. things coming together all right so we'll see you guys next week and yep. hopefully then we'll be now soon <laughs> i will see you guys see. in the universe yes all right guys be good all right see you